Tank Night Owl Live, the show for PC users who can handle the truth. And now, here's your host, Gene Steinberg. This week on the Tech Night on Live, for our first show of 2014, we'll be featuring Peter Cohen. He's a cutting-edge columnist who works with iMore.com. We'll also hear from the iTunes guy who is using satellite internet and also now has an Android phone. He's Kirk McElhern. All this and more on the Tech Night Owl Live. We have tech columnist Peter Cohen here to raise a lot of heck, or that other word. We'll talk about 2013 and 2014, since this is our first episode for 2014. We're going to do some fearless predictions, which may or may not be fearsome, depending on your point of view. Peter, hope you had a great New Year's Eve. Let's ask the real hard questions here. What do you think is one of the most absurd statements made about Apple in 2013? Absurd. That they weren't innovative enough or that they didn't innovate at all, that everything was just incremental improvements. Okay, so that's a perception that still exists. So when someone says, you know, Apple has lost its stomach or appetite for real innovation, everything's just minor, what do you tell them? That's the same crap that people have been saying since uh, Steve Jobs passed away. And, you know, the fact is Apple has continuously innovated new things that have made them millions, billions, in fact, of dollars in revenue because the public responds very well to what Apple has to offer. So it's, it's, a, it's a specious argument. It carries absolutely no weight. Let's look at some of the innovation then. What do you think are the most important things Apple did in 2013? The stuff that you can't just say is a minor update. iOS 7. All right. You know, iOS 7 was much more than just a, a change to the look and feel of the way that Apple's mobile operating system works. It's the first significant rework to the framework of the operating system since it was uh, first developed and, and released back in 2007. So, you know, it was a major overhaul. It was as major an overhaul for iOS as OS 10 was from classic Mac OS. And, you know, Apple built on that by introducing dramatic new hardware to operate it, like the iPhone 5S, the iPad Air, the iPad Mini with Retina Display. All these devices use a 64-bit processor. That's an innovation in the mobile space that's never been done before and still, as of today, hasn't been done by anyone else. Well, you know, part of it also is the fact that the other companies, especially Qualcomm, were freaked. Yeah, they they were not prepared for Apple to release a 64-bit device when they did. And they really have no one but themselves to blame because it's not like a 64-bit processor was a secret. You know, Apple based it off of an ARM design that has existed for some time now, so they were caught being complacent and lazy. It's as simple as that. Well, possibly they didn't think anybody needed it. The excuse being, of course, that you only need 64-bit if you have over 4 gigabytes of memory. And also, isn't it also true that Android would have to require extensive updates to support 64-bit, so there was no incentive. And Apple didn't advertise the fact. Well, 
Android's antiquity notwithstanding, 64-bit is not just important because uh, of, of a memory ceiling, which in point of fact hasn't been hit yet on any iOS device. No iOS device uses anything even close to 4 gigs of RAM yet. But it, it is important in terms of other architectural improvements that are not specific to, but germane uh, to 64-bit processors, like larger registers that enable the processor to grab more chunks of data simultaneously. So that makes everything work faster on a 64-bit mobile processor. It also helps the processor inside the iPhone and these other new devices to deal with larger, more complicated graphics and, and many of the other things that we take for granted in the desktop space that you haven't been able to do on mobile until now. So from my perspective, the real innovation of the iPhone 5S even above Touch ID, which was a total game changer as well, and we can get to that in a few minutes if you want to talk about, talk about it, is not what you can do on it today, but what software developers are going to be able to engineer for the future and how that is going to affect the user experience on iOS. I think that's probably the most dramatic thing. I think that that, that over time we're going to see this as, as one of the most substantial changes um, to the iOS platform. Well, part of it is also the fact that Apple looks forward, but... What Google is doing with the latest Android 4.4 KitKat is basically looking backward, making it work on older hardware with less resources. So that's not advancing the state of the art. It's kind of making it possible to have a little bit less fragmentation, but it doesn't do anything to make things better. Yeah, indeed. And a study recently came out that showed that 78% of um, active uh, iOS devices have been upgraded to iOS 7. So, uh, you know, Apple's done a tremendous job of turning that corner with this brand new operating system in a very short period of time. Uh, well, uh, in fact, Google is still playing catch up with Android um, just to try to reduce its fragmentation problem, which has been ongoing for several years. How bad is that fragmentation, by the way? Well, it, if you're a user, it's horrible. It means that you can't be guaranteed that your device is going to be able to run new software more than a, a year or so down the road. So, um, sure, you know, you can buy a $100 Android phone and get something that works right now, but there's no guarantee that the software that you want to run on it that's available today is going to be able to run on it. And there's certainly no guarantee that the software that comes out in a year is going to be able to run on it. So I, I think it, 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 it can and, and should give Android users a very serious pause when they go out to buy a, a, uh, a new device as to whether or not they're going to get any sort of useful time out of it whatsoever. That's not a concern, as much of a concern anyway, for iOS users and quite frankly never has been. Well, here's an example of how ridiculous the situation is. Google owns Motorola Mobility. Motorola Mobility just a few weeks ago came out with a new low-cost smartphone called the Moto G, which is something like $179. And our friend Kirk McElhern, as a matter of fact, bought one because he wanted to know how the other half lives. And we'll be asking him about that in our next segment. In any case, that one shipped not with 4.4 KitKat, but with the previous version of Android. And this is a smartphone made by the company that makes the operating system. So explain that. Well, I can't. I can't explain it because it's inexplicable and it's incomprehensible to me as a longtime Apple user. I mean, you know, you can decry me for my partisanship if you will, but I think that, that uh, you, you get what you pay for. Well, I suppose, but certainly 
the people who use Android deserve a lot better, no matter what they pay. They deserve to have the latest and greatest operating system. They deserve to have the security fixes. And developers are going to want predictability. Do they, do they, do they really, Gene? I mean, does somebody who buys a $10,000 Kia deserve the same sort of user experience that somebody who spends forty grand on a Mercedes-Benz is going to get? I don't necessarily think that somebody who votes with their pocketbook is entitled to anything more than what they get, that, what they pay for. Except, interesting thing to mention it now, Kia offers you a 100,000-mile powertrain warranty, as does its brother or sister company, which is Hyundai. They give you five years of 60,000 miles with everything, including roadside assistance. So what they're doing is by having this reputation for offering a very cheap car, how do they get around it? They give you better warranty to make you feel more confident about buying the car. But there also are Kias that sell for upwards of $40,000. So just mentioning that, it's not an argument for it against Kia, but one way a company... I, I don't think any auto reviewer worth their salt is going to take a look at the build quality of a $12,000 Kia and say that it compares in any way, shape, or form to a Mercedes. And that's what I'm talking about. Of course. Obviously, they're trying to get around it. I'd say, however, if you took a $25,000 Optima and compared the build quality, it's a lot better than what you pay for. But that's another story. Peter Cohen's joining us. He's with iMore at iMore.com, and he's an interesting forthright gentleman. More to come on the Tech Night Out Live. Neighbors, are you tired of dealing with a slow web hosting provider? Well, check out A2 Hosting and their screaming fast Swift server platform. They even have SSDs that load pages 300% faster than the competition. Ready to give your site a speed boost? Well, tell you what, neighbors, head on over to a2hosting.com. That's A2, that's number two, a2hosting.com. Check out their Prime Hosting account. And get this, neighbors, they're even giving you an exclusive 25% off discount for all our listeners, 25%. And remember, their Guru Crew support team is standing by 24-7, 365 days a year to answer any of your questions. Now, to get the discount, use the coupon code GENE when you check out. Have you ever felt like the United States government knows way too much about your financial affairs? I continue to hear stories about property seizures, frozen bank accounts, confiscation of stocks and bonds. It makes me wonder if the U.S. citizen will ever again have the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Unfortunately, with the Drug and Money Laundering Act, the IRS Revenue Ruling 6045 of 1984, and the Trading with the Enemy Act and Franklin D. Roosevelt's Executive Order of 1933, some precious metal holdings are subject to government intervention. For this reason, Midas Resources has prepared a report explaining the boundaries of trading precious metals privately. Whether if you have any intention of trading with Midas Resources or not, I have instructed my representatives to give this report out free. Call for your free copy at 1-800-686-2237. When investing, always proceed with caution. Again, call 1-800-686-2237. Exercise your legal right to trade metals privately. 1-800-686-2237. To thank you for being a loyal listener, 
we have a limited time freebie offer for you. Claim your free heirloom tomato seeds, just pay shipping, right now at 123freeseeds.com. These aren't ordinary seeds. These are heirloom, non-genetically modified super seeds that are open pollinated and can be grown, harvested, and replanted endlessly. These survival seeds are actually more valuable than gold in a crisis. Go to 123freeseeds.com and you can get an airtight storage packet of 150 super seeds free while supplies last to say thank you for being a loyal listener. First come, first served. Just cover shipping. Go to 123freeseeds.com now to see if your free heirloom seeds are still available. That's 123freeseeds.com. American gardeners and fellow patriots, make the right choice with your money, time, and your family food supply. Choose 100% pure heirloom seeds in the Survival Seed Vault from MyPatriotSupply.com. Why spend more? The Survival Seed Vault from MyPatriotSupply.com is only $37.95 and includes 20 varieties of pure, hardy, easy-to-grow heirloom seeds. Yes, only $37.95. That's 70% less than our competitors. You could buy three Survival Seed Vaults for less than one of theirs. The Survival Seed Vault from MyPatriotSupply.com includes detailed planting and seed saving instructions and ships same day. Plus, all orders over $49 ship free. MyPatriotSupply.com is American owned by patriots like you. Passionate about freedom and preparedness. Call now, 866-229-0927. That's 866-229-0927. Or discover more emergency preparedness items when you order at MyPatriotSupply.com. Choose the original. Choose the Survival Seed Vault at MyPatriotSupply.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, please send it to news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. If you'd like to discuss today's show with fellow night owls, visit our community forums at forum.technightowl.com. That's forum.technightowl.com. We have Peter Cohen joining us. We're looking back and looking forward. So if you buy a cheap Android smartphone or tablet, you deserve what you get, basically, even if you can't afford anything better. Yeah, absolutely. Because, I mean, you can go out and you can get a free iPhone 4S or an iPhone 5C or 5S uh, for, you know, a, a relatively affordable rate subsidized, you know. So I whatever. Whatever. If if you are going to buy crap, you're going to get a crappy experience, just like buying a PC. You know, I hear this excuse all the time that there's an Apple tax. You know, if I buy an Apple laptop, I'm going to spend $1,000 or I'm going to spend $1,800. And that's ridiculous because I can buy a much less expensive PC. Well, that, that may be true. You may spend less money on your PC, but you are going to have a diminished experience doing it. You're going to get a PC that's loaded up with crapware and trialware and stuff that shuts off after 30 days or stuff that nags, nags, nags you until you pay an additional registration fee or at worst is not removable at all. Or you're going to get a laptop 
laptop that's going to fall apart after a few months of use, whose screen is going to break, whose hinges are going to break, whose keys are going to fall off. I've seen it happen time and time again with relatives and friends who think with their wallets instead of their heads and say, you know what, I want to spend a little less money on this Dell laptop or this Asus laptop. And then they come back crawling to me after about a few months and they say, you know what, you were right. Mac is a better build quality. It's a better experience. The same thing goes with your phone. You know, if you spend a little bit of money or no money whatsoever on your Android phone, chances are you're going to run into problems somewhere down the road that you didn't anticipate, whether it's early obsolescence because it can't run new software or whether it's build quality and the thing just falls apart in your hand because it's cheap plastic. It, It cuts both ways. And as far as an Apple tax is concerned, if you actually look at the worth of what you get with the Apple product, it's not so expensive. So look at the Mac Pro. You've seen these surveys. You know what I'm talking about. You can get a Mac Pro fully outfitted for about $9,700 plus keyboard, mouse, and monitor, okay? And people say that's expensive, or you get the cheapest model for $29.99. But then they went ahead and tried to find something in Windows land that was comparable. It ends up, and this is my experience, which is why they went the do-it-yourself route, and that is if you go to a premium or mainstream PC maker like HP or Dell, you can't duplicate a Mac Pro in terms of the basic hardware specs. We're not talking about the tubular design. We're talking about the processor, the solid-state drive. We're talking about the graphics chips, that kind of stuff. It's not there. There's no way to duplicate it. I tried with an HP workstation. This is the $9,700 Mac Pro. I got to like $11,500. Still couldn't add the rest of the components because HP didn't offer them. I went nowhere with a Dell Precision workstation. So they went do-it-yourself. And they still couldn't duplicate the Mac Pros for anything close to Apple's price. Yeah, now in fairness, you know, Apple has worked out some sweetheart deals with with uh, component makers. So, you know, for example, you can't go out and get a D300, D500, or D700 graphics processor for AMD. Those are custom made to Apple specifications, but they do have analogs in the Fire Pro GL world. In the Fire Pro world, uh, the graphics workstation world, uh, you can go out and buy cards with roughly equivalent uh, processing power. And, you know, people who put together the DIY system say, well, you don't need error-correcting code, ECC memory. You don't need a a Fire Pro card when an off-the-shelf $500 graphics card that's aimed at gamers will do. No, it won't do. Not if you're using the Mac Pro the way the Mac Pro was bloody well intended to, because the Mac Pro is not a gaming machine. The Mac Pro is not, you know, a a PC designed to run Battlefield 4 really fast. It's designed for somebody who is making a movie in 4K. It's designed for a pro audio engineer. It's designed for somebody who's doing genetic decoding, somebody who's doing huge math problems on their machine, somebody who's doing 3D visualization. And if you've actually ever seen 3D visualization done on a computer, you know it's completely different than rendering 3D graphics in a game because it's a different set of math problems altogether. Thoroughly different optimizations needed. The Mac Pro is a parallel processing monster. And you're absolutely right, Gene. Building that on the PC as close as you can get is about $11,500. So there goes the the Apple tax theory straight out the window. And you know something? It's not the first time. If you look at any previous model of the Mac Pro, 
fully outfitted or whatever, it was almost always cheaper than a PC workstation. Almost always, every time I ever checked it, going back five, six years. Well, you and I are, are, are longtime Mac Pro fanboys. You've used them in the past. I still use mine. I'm talking to you from it right now, as a matter of fact. The Mac Pro has proven over and over again that it's a very that it's got a lot of longevity and that it's a real industrial quality machine. But I, I think people fail to understand the tolerances uh, that the Mac Pro was built for. You know, it uses these very sophisticated components that are a little bit rarefied in, in the computer world because it's designed to a very different set of criteria than most things, because it's a Mac Pro. It's not an iMac, it's not a Mac Mini, it's a Mac Pro. And that connotes a different set of problems that it was designed to solve. Not every tool is a hammer. Saying I can substitute this and I can substitute that and come up with a rough analog and it's going to be about $11,500. No, no. You're trying to build me a hammer when what I've got is something a lot more sophisticated than that. No, thank you. You keep your $11,000 and I'll keep my Mac Pro. Thank you. And just to point out even more... The fact is here that a lot of people can buy a fully outfitted iMac and do all they need, as long as they don't need the parallel processing and the 3D rendering and the mathematics and all that for one, two, up to four processor cores. An iMac will probably come out with performance that's pretty close. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's it, it's it's funny. The, 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 the iMac is a great machine for what you pay for it. You know, you can look at it and say, oh, well, that 27-inch thing costs $2,000. Yeah, you know, that's that's a lot of money. The 21 and a half is, is a little more reasonable. It's only 1300 Any way you slice it, uh, if you've got a Mac Pro or, I mean, a MacBook Pro or a MacBook Air, uh, one of, of relatively recent vintage that's got a uh, mini display port on it or a Thunderbolt port, you know, you can use those new iMacs that came out in 2013 as an external display for them. You know, so if you want to look at it as sort of paying for a very expensive monitor and getting a free computer inside, you can look at it that way too. But, you know, there are a lot of interesting use cases for them. And the interesting thing for me is that as the Mac Pro has sort of stagnated, over the past few years. You know, we haven't really seen a redesign or, or a significant update um, in about three years uh, before the new one, the new turbine one that's now thoroughly backordered came out, that a lot of the traditional places where Mac Pros had been sold had switched to iMacs and had found out that they're fantastic machines. You know, you can do a lot of high-end video and film editing on an iMac. You can do a lot of the content creation stuff, as it's known, uh, that that, that has always been Apple's sort of strong trump card on the iMac and not suffer any problems. We'll get into more of this uh, conversation with Peter Cohen. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night High Live. We are the premier independent talk radio network. The Genesis Communications Network. G-C-N. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. 
It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Great news, pure water lovers. BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com has a special discount offer for all GCN listeners. You can't do better than a Big Berkey for economy. For only 1.7 cents a gallon, a single set of filters can last for 5 to 10 years. There's none better than a Big Berkey for emergency preparedness as a backup water source. And you just can't beat a Big Berkey to remove dangerous chlorine, all types of fluoride, pathogenic bacteria, cysts, parasites, and unhealthy bodies products from municipal water. Berkey water filter systems are even powerful enough to purify stagnant pond water. For the gold standard in water filters, get a Big Berkey at BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com and all GCN listeners get 5% off all ceramic filter systems. For details, call 1-877-99-BERKEY. That's 877-99-BERKEY. Big Berkey water filters for the love of clean water. If you owe the IRS back taxes, listen carefully. Sweeping changes to IRS policies will help more people than ever eliminate their tax debts once and for all. And now, thanks to Dan Pillow, you can get the tax help you need to end your tax nightmare. Hi, I'm Dan Pillow. I've helped thousands of people reduce or eliminate tax debts they couldn't pay. And after more than 30 years of experience dealing with the IRS, I can tell you there's no such thing as a hopeless tax case. With the IRS's new policies, it's easier than ever to put your tax debt behind you once and for all. Call now at 800-346-6829 to learn how I can help you. You know your IRS debt will not go away by itself, but you don't have to live in fear anymore. Call 800-346-6829. Learn how I can help you eliminate wage and bank levies, release tax liens, and negotiate a settlement with the IRS that will put your tax nightmare behind you forever. Call 800-34-NO-TAX. Or go to my website, TaxHelpOnline.com. That's TaxHelpOnline.com. A healthy digestive system supports a healthy immune system. And a healthy immune system protects you against infections and disease. Pro-EM1 Daily Probiotic Cleanse, available at Terragonics.com, is the key to digestive health. Pro-EM1 is a powerful liquid probiotic and is gentle enough to use every day. Pro-EM1 contains three groups of beneficial microbes and enzymes to cleanse and remove toxins, supports weight loss, improves absorption of food nutrients, and aids in controlling yeast and other infections. Pro-EM1 is dairy, wheat, and soy-free, is non-GMO, has all natural certified organic ingredients, has no preservatives, and is never freeze-dried. Pro-EM1 is the key to your digestive health. Order Pro-EM1 Daily Probiotic Cleanse at Terraganics.com, spelled T-E-R-A-G-A-N-I-X.com, Terraganics.com, or call toll-free 866-369-3678. That's 866-369-3678. Pro-EM1, the raw probiotic. Live with Gene Steinberg, it's the Tech Night Owl, because you never know what's going to happen next. On the Tech Night Owl Live, we have Peter Cohen, and we've covered just very briefly in the previous segment 
the non-existent Apple tax. And I had arguments over the years about this, that with any Mac at any price point, if you compare the actual components, specs, model numbers, etc., with the bundled software, the Mac is not necessarily more expensive. You know, on the lesser price models, you might find the PCs a bit cheaper, the Macs a bit cheaper. They're about the same. It doesn't make a difference. It's just that Apple doesn't build junk, which is so important. Another thing that's interesting about the Mac Pro, very important thing here, is that it's customized, tailored, and made to work best with 4K video, which is really taking the video editing world by storm, and we're seeing more and more consumer TV sets with 4K. So you could run, what, three 4K monitors at the same time and add all sorts of filters, and you get, like, real-time processing with the latest Final Cut Pro 10. So much for that just being a consumer tool. We can get into that, too. But now I was noticing in one of Apple's technical documents that their support for 4K video in the latest MacBook Pros with Retina Display. Interesting, huh? Yes, yes, Retina Display. You know, Retina Display is such a subjective term. You know, there's no industry definition for Retina Display. It's something that Apple sort of invented uh, out of whole cloth. And all Retina Display means is that when you're holding it at the average distance that you would hold the device from your, from your eyes, you can't discern individual pixels. So it turns out that, that the, the pixel density on the iPhone is somewhere on the order of about 320 pixels per inch. So, you know, if you take up an inch and measure the number of pixels that you get in that square inch, it would be 326 across and 326 down. That's an immense number of, of pixels when you get to the actual full uh, resolution of the iPhone screen. Right now, there isn't a single desktop machine. Uh, that Apple offers with with a uh, a Retina display. Uh, the closest that we've got is the the Retina display MacBook Pro, 13 and 15 inch uh, screens. And the interesting thing about those is that neither of them actually operate at their native resolution because at their native resolution, text would be indiscernible. It would be unreadable by people unless they were wearing like magnifying glasses. So even on my 15-inch uh, MacBook Pro with Retina display, its maximum resolution is around 1920 by 1200 pixels, I think, even though its stated native resolution is way higher than that. It's like 2880 or something like that. 1920 is where Apple said, you know what, that's about the limit of legibility for that. So how meaningful a, a, a 4K desktop monitor would be um, it, within the realm of, of retina display. I'm not really sure. What I do know is that 4K is an acknowledged standard in, in film shooting right now. You know, if you've gone to a, uh, a movie theater and seen a movie that's got a digital projector, which is pretty much all of them, unless you're paying like a buck and a half to see a movie these days, it, but any, all of the major chains have switched over to 4K or have switched over to digital projectors. And most of these digital projectors have now been upgraded to 4K. So that is de facto what you're seeing um, in, in cinema today. So having a 4K display connected to a Mac Pro or even connected to a MacBook Pro is very important for film and video editors because this is the native format uh, that they're working in now. And of course, there are 4K um, televisions out there. They're still as rare as hen's teeth and they're incredibly expensive. And there's very little content, home content, available for them because, you know, Blu-ray's resolution is way, way less than that. 
But um, the bottom line is that if you're working in cinema, and if you're working um, in some cases in video, 4K is what you want to be working. 4K ingestion, 4K output is what you want to be working in. And uh, the Mac Pro, and even the new MacBook Pros, uh, the new MacBook Pros with Retina Display that came out in 2013 are optimized for this sort um, of workflow. And also the latest Final Cut Pro 10, version 10.1, optimized for 4K, so much for an application that they said was only for consumers. The other point to mention here is you're going to see, especially at the Consumer Electronics Show coming up within days from the time you hear the show, ladies and gentlemen, you'll see more and more almost affordable 4K sets. You get them down now to $3,000, maybe $2,000, they're going to get down in price. And also, there's going to be a 4K Blu-ray standard, maybe introduced this year, by the way. So it's going to come. And it's inevitable. And with all that product they're going to try to find, you're going to need to produce 4K. Apple's at the forefront of this. But then again, you go back to Final Cut Pro 10. They said it's only for consumers. They dumbed it down. Why do you take a consumer app and support the professional standards people need to get their work done? They did say that a while ago, but they haven't said that in a while. I mean, Apple, um, you know, took a lot of the initial feedback that it got about uh, Final Cut Pro 10 very seriously. And they realized that they, I think they, they realized before they even released it that they had excised some features that, that uh, professional video editors and film editors really needed. But they wanted to get something out, and they, they knew that they could uh, build it up uh, better. Uh, than they could, you know, just waiting indefinitely until every feature was ready for it. But yeah, you know, Final Cut Pro is 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 one of a growing number of applications that's optimized for OpenCL or Open Compute Language, uh, which is a, a very scalable technology that that uh, takes advantage of the parallel processing uh, engine that you find inside the Mac Pro and makes it makes software run very fast on it uh, by doing parallel processing. Parallel processing is uh, the ability to throw multiple instructions at a computer and have the computer use each of its cores simultaneously to do things in parallel at the same time. Not only do the, the multiple cores of the Mac Pro, the basic Mac Pro has only four cores. If you want to spend a few extra thousand, you can get a 12-core machine. But uh, the GPUs, the graphics processing units, the, uh, those Fire, uh, Fire Pro uh, graphics uh, devices that we were talking about that are inside the Mac Pro, they are also huge parallel processing pumps. All of this stuff works in tandem with these apps that are optimized for, for OpenCL, and they end up producing very, very fast processing for, for apps that are optimized for them. So it's exciting technology. Oh, yeah. We're going to see some fascinating stuff. But looking at CES just for a moment, we'll have to split for our break very shortly now. What do you think is going to be the most important thing to come out of CES or the most important things? Is it going to be 4K video or what? Well, I think we're going to hear a lot about the connected car this year. I think that um, th that's uh, that's one that my my colleague Sean King has called um, on on Twitter recently, and and I agree with him. Um, my problem with CES is sort of judging the signal to noise ratio of the information that I'm hearing. You know, CES is is a great opportunity for a number of uh, of, of of technology developers and leaders to try to 
um, try to control the narrative, as it were, uh, as to what the next big thing is. But their dreams and their prognostications don't necessarily uh, convert to reality. I mean, you know, at, at, at CES a couple of years ago, it seemed like 3D TVs were going to be ubiquitous and that everybody was going to own one. And we were all going to sit in front of our TVs slack-jawed with um, 3D LCD shutter glasses on like some people do with the movies. And it turned out that 3D is sort of a passing fad. I mean, you can still buy 3D. 3D TVs, and you can still get content on Blu-ray for uh, that 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 uh, that displays in 3D. But it's certainly not as ubiquitous a technology as the people who are displaying stuff at CES would have led us to believe. And what's happened is it's filtered downscale, down market. So a lot of sets have 3D, but a lot of them also offer passive glasses. Passive meaning, of course, that you don't have the built-in shutters. They cost five dollars each, just like the ones that you get from the multiplex, you don't have to deal with those expensive glasses and the arguments in the family when mommy and daddy can't go out and get a $150 pair of glasses. But it looks fine. I've seen 3D. But I wouldn't pay extra for one, and I think that's what's happened. Peter Cohen joins us. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night How Live. Man Cow has found a new home. The Genesis Communications Network, GCN. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs convert from so many formats I can't even list them. Download now to see if Graphic Converter is good for you, like one and a half million other users. Guess what? You could save money when you buy Graphic Converter. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL to get a special price for Graphic Converter. Go to LemkeSoft.com. That's L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. LemkeSoft.com. L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. An e-cig revolution is sweeping across the country. But is yours American-made? Vapriate e-liquid by LeSig is. Manufactured in Arkansas with 100% USA-sourced ingredients. And when you buy American, you support local jobs. Vapriate e-liquid by LeSig is top quality at an affordable price. The very principle that once drove the American economy. Get great taste with no ash, tar, or smoke. You'll be wondering why you didn't make the change to Vapriate e-liquid by LeSig a long time ago. LeSig.com has everything you need for beginners to the advanced vaping enthusiast with a wide variety of hardware and also imported e-liquid flavors as well. Plus, LeSig smokes the competition with fast, free, same-day shipping, real people customer service, and a 30-day satisfaction guarantee. Support our country and become a vapriate at LeSig.com or call 870-525-1440, 870-525-1440. LeSig e-cigarettes for today's modern smoker. We live in a complicated society. Stressful issues are always popping up. Have you ever been treated unfairly by someone? Have you ever been overcharged for a repair? Have you ever signed a contract or a document worried about identity theft? 
How many times have you been in those unique situations where you just wanted to call an attorney to find out if you're right or wrong or what your legal rights are? But every time you think about calling an attorney, what do you think about first? That's right. Who do you call and how much will it cost? Our friends at Legal Shield have found a solution. With a nationwide network of 6,900 attorneys who average 19 years of experience, Legal Shield's law firms take over 40,000 calls per week helping their members. For less than $20 per month, you can have access to Legal Shield on everything from the trivial to the traumatic. Let Legal Shield stand up for your rights at lsprotection.com. That's lsprotection.com. Or call 855-340-SAVE, 855-340-7283. A little over a year ago, I began to do a lot of research into why, even though I had a pretty good-sized meal, that I was still starving. And my research led me to a well-known fact that most of the soils that we grow our crops on here in the United States and across the industrialized world are almost completely depleted of almost all of the key minerals and trace elements that our bodies need to rebuild themselves, fight off cancer, and be healthy. I then searched out the best vitamin and mineral company out there and discovered Longevity. The Longevity products are designed to give you the real nutrition you need, and once you've got that, you don't have to eat as much to be satisfied. I've lost 37 pounds in two months simply getting the vitamins and minerals I need. Check it out for yourself. It's incredible. Go to InfoWarsTeam.com today and order your first canister of Beyond Tangy Tangerine Complete Multivitamin Mineral Complex Dietary Supplement. That's InfoWarsTeam.com. know what's going to happen next? Well, here's the Tech Night Owl, live with Gene Steinberg. Now, Peter Cohen, when it comes to 4K, there's a problem there, too, which is that undeniably, Twice as many pixels horizontally, twice as many pixels vertically, totaling four times as many pixels. Great advertising, except, number one, you need a really large set to see the difference, or you have to sit real close. If you have a 50 or 55-inch set, and you go in your living room or bedroom, you're 8 feet away or 10 feet away, you don't see much of a difference from 1080p, and that's a big problem if people are going to be convinced to buy them. Yes, exactly. You know, the, the sort of diminishing returns involved with 4K in the living room is is a big issue. There's another big issue as well, and that is where do you get the content from? Gene, you had mentioned uh, 4K Blu-ray, and that's a great option for people who like to get their stuff on Blu-ray. But, you know, pe- more and more people are turning to streaming now, and we're only now getting around to 1080i streaming. And those are only for folks who um, happen to live in an area that has really decent broadband capabilities. And for people who don't mind spending a big chunk of their broadband budget every month um, on getting uh, this kind of content, the fact of the matter is many people within the range of, of, uh, of our show, people who are listening right now, don't have that kind of speed and can't get that sort of access. Or even if they can, don't necessarily want to parse that amount that they're paying for their their broadband specifically for higher and higher deaf entertainment. Uh, so we need to acknowledge also that um uh, that that streaming 4K content is still in its infancy if that. 
you know, it's it's at a very nascent stage right now, um, and we're not going to see a lot of um, broad mainstream 4K content available to most consumers via the methods that they like for some time to come. Remember, there are still people in the United States and around the world who don't have ultra-high broadband performance. They're lucky to get anything, or they have to take satellite internet, which gets you, what, 10 or 15 megs? I mean, you'd saturate those pipes pretty quickly because you'd have a low amount of bandwidth allowed if you had constant 4K. Heck, if you had constant 1080i, repeatedly, day after day, you're going to use your bandwidth cap real fast. That's one of the deficiencies, by the way, of people saying that streaming is going to take over. Well, the ISPs are going to protest. They won't give you the bandwidth that you want because they'd rather you deal with their sister company, if they have one, that offers you satellite or cable TV. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and, you know, unfortunately, we don't have as as, as thorough a, a build-out in the United States as, let's say, Korea does. Um, so, you know, people are still working at a deficit there. But I talk to uh, uh, people in my own neck of the woods. I've, I've got a really good fat pipe coming into my house, but I talk to people in my own neck of the woods all the time who are working off DSL lines that have only a fraction of the amount of bandwidth that I do. Yeah, that's correct. And for most purposes, you don't need more. You really don't. If you're not streaming video and you just want to go to a site with normal content, you know, five or ten megs is all you need. Yeah, and I, exactly. I mean, you know, the, the, and that's, that's, that's another really good point. A lot of people are content to pay for, even if they could get better service, they, they're content to pay for less because they, they, they need less. So, you know, it's but it, it's yet another sort of stake in the heart of, of, of mainstream adoption of technology like 4K, which is why I'm skeptical that it's really going to have a big impact on consumers, even if the price of TVs comes down uh, significantly. Most folks just simply don't need it right now. And as you and I both agree, most folks won't see the difference. It's not because lessened capabilities or faculties. It's just because you need a big screen or you need to be real close to see 4K. There you go. Let's look at what I consider to be the lack of imagination of predictions for Apple in 2014, because it's all about two things. It's all about Apple producing a connected TV set or an iWatch. Oh, God, that's right. I mean, I'm getting sick of it already. I had an article about this where I said, please, I'm not a product designer. I don't play one on TV or radio, but can't you come up with something original, something different from Apple? Is that all there is? Connected TVs and an iWatch? Well, a distinct lack of imagination about what Apple might come up with has sort of been the um, uh, standard operating procedure of, uh, of folks for many years now, which is why Apple continues to amaze and, and surprise and delight us when it does come out with new things. So I don't think that um, anybody should be really surprised that people haven't been able to divine what Apple's next big thing might be. Um, you know, as, as far as a television and, and a watch is concerned, well, you know, I've said my piece about both of those things on previous um, tech uh, night owl shows, so I, I won't regale our, our listeners with, with more blather about the same again. Instead of blathering, give it like a one-sentence Reader's Digest summary so we know where they're going. iWatch is 
potentially a good idea, but what exactly is Apple going to bring to the table besides what's been done before with products like the Fitbit? We get that telemetry based on fitness information or, you know, some sort of content like that is something that people who are, you know, focused on exercise and focused on a healthy lifestyle are interested in getting. And gamification of that stuff has proven to work with Nike Plus, but uh, what else is Apple going to do with it? It's it's a question mark. I certainly don't see it as another interface for my iPhone or for my iPad to try to get in touch with me uh, when when I need to to know things. That just seems stupid because I've got my iPhone in my pocket all the time anyway. Why do I need something on my wrist? My so- only argument is the smartwatch works only if it can do at least some functions independently. You shouldn't be tethered to anything else. Not that I wouldn't do more. The other thing, of course, is that, yes, maybe it's hard to see the need right now, but we still have those rumors that Apple has over 100 engineers working on the project. But more to the point, they could be working on anything, and it never comes to pass, getting the trademark on the name iWatch in some countries. That's That's something you can't hide. Yeah. As far as the TV is concerned, I don't see it happening. And uh, something that our mutual friend Jim Dalrymple has uh, spent a a certain number of of, uh, column inches over at his site, The Loop, talking about is that it is a commodity-driven market. You know, televisions are cheap. You can get a 50-inch TV for 400, 500 bucks if you know where to look. There is no meat for Apple to to latch on to there. There is certainly a premium market, but it is an increasingly small percentage um, of the market. And Apple needs to charge a premium price um, in, in order to uh, to drive revenue because Apple is primarily a hardware manufacturer. They get most of their money from hardware, not necessarily from services or, or from software, although that is growing incrementally uh, on their, um, uh, their balance sheet. It's still the smaller segment of it. It's not the majority yet. So um, where does Apple compete? Does Apple come to market with a $500 TV that has the stuff built into it? It doesn't make a lot of sense. I think that Apple is probably going to continue on the same path that it is for a while, which is developing an alternate interface that provides you with a lot of value-added content that's either free or available to you because you're a subscriber of some sort of wired service or some sort of dish-based service for entertainment, whether that's cable or whether that's dish, whatever, um, DirecTV. But, uh, you know, they're, they're going to continue to work with this device that gives you an alternate way of getting that compared to the mishmash of accessing it through your DVR or your game system or, you know, through the TV itself, if it's a quote-unquote smart TV, you know, Apple TV is still a killer application. And the killer app for Apple TV is the fact that it integrates with all of your other products. If you've got a Mac, if you've got an iOS device like an iPhone, iPad, or iPod Touch, you can stream content directly from that to the Apple TV. Getting stuff on your TV is cool. People like it. And that's why people buy the Apple TV because they've got another product that they want to use. Interesting here. A lot of smart TVs are sold. Every TV you see nowadays has apps. You know, Panasonic with their Viera set was offering apps, what, five, six years ago? But what percentage of people ever run those apps? Very low. That's a, 
That's exactly right, Gene, and that's exactly what I was going to get to. It's 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 trivial to get a TV now that's a quote-unquote smart TV that has some sort of built-in applications. Good luck to anybody who's using them, though, because their user interfaces are miserable experiences, and most people just want to turn on their TV and watch a signal passively. They don't want to get involved in learning how their TV works in order to make it do new things. Which is the thing about the living room that has to be addressed. If Tim Cook is right, and we'll get into more of this in our next segment, if Tim Cook is right, that for him at least, the experience in the living room is going back 20, 30 years, whatever. How do you change that? But you don't change the person. You adapt to the person's needs in a better way and look at what's wrong with what's there now. Peter Cohen joining us. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Independently leading the way for the nation. Compelling talk for every political persuasion. We are GCN. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you'd like to listen to GCN programs on the go, I have great news. GCN has created a Droid and iPhone application, and it's free. Just as easy as going to GCNlive.com, click on the banner, and download. Before you know it, you'll be listening to your favorite hard-hitting GCN shows, live or on demand, right on your Droid or iPhone, 24-7 and on the go. So download the Droid and iPhone app free by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Thanks again for listening to GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. Hi, this this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. It's that time of year again, and you know what that means. Cold and flu season. But don't worry. HerbalHealer.com has you and your loved ones covered with our safe and natural products. Cold and flu fighters like beta-glucans, olive leaf antiviral capsules, grapefruit seed extract, HHA four-herb capsules, elderberry power, and respirate. And don't forget about oregacillin for the lungs, normally $34.95, on sale now for only $25. Vitamin D3, 120-count soft gels, only $9. Whole body and homeopathic detoxes for the lungs, kidneys, liver, lymph, and brain. Normally $26.95, now just $20. HerbalHealer.com also offers correspondence courses to teach you how to handle your health naturally. And as always, new customers get a free 128-page catalog with your order. Visit HerbalHealer.com and click the Winter Specials button to save on our natural cold and flu-fighting products. HerbalHealer.com, healing the world with nature, one person at a time, since 1988. Welcome back to the Tech Night Owl Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. So the living room, you want to veg out, you want to turn on your set, and maybe you will push the record button on your DVR. Or set it up to record the entire season so you casually turn on your set, look at what you got recorded, pick a show, and fast forward through the ads. That's it. It gets more complicated when you got the Blu-ray and the gaming console. But how do you change that? Or do you change it? Or do you just 
simply allow for what's there, but now what you do is you give them easier ways to get the content they want so they can veg out. They want to veg out. They don't want to do it actively. Well, you know, getting getting to the the the, the crux of of what we're talking about, you know, in terms of uh, what Apple's got up its sleeve, uh, I'm reminded of a Steve Jobs quote from a few years ago. He said that um, most people don't know what they want until you give it to them. Um, I, I may be paraphrasing, but that was the gist. Yeah, of that it. was the gist of it. The point being that it's up to Apple to decide what people want if given the opportunity to have it. So Apple has to look at the living room and the environment and say, you know what, this is what people need to have a better experience there, and we will give it to them. I think one of the things I need, and I'm not reflective of anybody, because I see my wife going through this more than me, she's not as technically inclined, she just wants things to work, is she wants content from different sources but doesn't have to sit there and take the universal remote and aim it just right so it doesn't miss one device. So if she wants to run the exercise video on the Blu-ray, if she doesn't aim it exactly the universal remote, and we're using a Logitech, but other universal remotes do the same thing, not aim precisely, it's going to miss either the TV or the audio system or the Blu-ray or whatever. So it's a matter, I think, of also integrating all that stuff. Because that's where you end up with problems where it doesn't work. Because you're using this infrared technology of 4,000 years ago. You want to be able to get anything you want quickly, easily, without the possibility of error. Yep. Yeah, exactly. You know, the mishmash of IR, Bluetooth, and, you know, whatever else they're using to, um, to try to get it uh, to, uh, to work is, is, is awful frustrating for folks. I agree. And that right there is where we have a very serious issue. And maybe that's what Apple has to solve or take it to the next level, whatever that is. And we have to see. As I said, we don't know what Apple's going to do. And if you think you know, you're wrong. Because did we know that Apple decided that it's time that we have 64-bit in our iPhone and on our iPads? Did you know that? Did you know that Apple decided that? They made a decision, a creative decision, And they stuck with it, which is so much different than all these other companies. And this is the area where Apple's always get stinged for the wrong thing. So you say Apple's not being creative enough. What's creative about Samsung? There's a Pebble smartwatch for $150. Was Samsung smart to have a $300 version that supports fewer devices with probably no more features? Yeah, well... I'm probably the wrong person to ask about Samsung innovation because all I, I see them doing is mindlessly aping Apple. Uh, you know, the Pebble uh, smartwatch, the Galaxy Gear, um, you know, these are all early and earnest and honest, I think, attempts to try to figure out what a, um, a smartwatch is. But n- none of them have really um, uh, uh, sort of attached with any sort of mainstream success, you know. It's kind of like what we ran into way back when with the first digital music players. They simply said, let's put the files in flash memory, but they didn't think it through. Apple thought it through, and they came up with the iPod. Well, actually, someone else came up with the iPod and brought it to Apple, and they realized, here's a smart product. I think Steve Jobs was skeptical at the time. It was of other people who accepted the fact that here is something 
that has potential, and he saw it. You could convince him. And that's a different thing about Steve Jobs. A lot of the things Apple has done, you had to sell to Steve Jobs. He didn't just say, yeah, let's do that. He had people come to him and say, let's do that. And he says, no. And they come back and say, yes, we should do this. Here's why. Correct, yes. And that's why we have an iPod, for example. All right. So looking at 2014, forgetting the stuff that everybody talks about, do you expect to see anything from Apple that no one's thought about yet? From that perspective, I don't know whether it's going to be another incremental year of improvements to products, or whether it's going to be a really sensational year of uh, of, of never before seen stuff from from Apple. I, I know that uh, you know Tim Cook has sent out um, an address to uh, Apple employees saying that 2014 is going to be another great year for them, and um, you know they're they're going to um, um, continue to surprise and delight uh, uh, folks with with new stuff, but. Hey, that's such a vague statement. You don't know how to read it. You don't know whether that means there's going to be something completely new or whether it's just going to be more stuff from Apple that's uh, been been improved from the past. But either way, I don't think it matters. Either way, you know, the, the trick for Apple is just to continue its momentum with um, uh, releasing products that people want and are willing to pay for, uh, regardless of of uh, of of whether or not they build new markets, you know, it's hard to com- to completely uh, create new markets, and everybody's expecting Apple to do it. Everybody's expecting Apple to invent a new thing that that blossoms into a new industry. But that is very difficult to do. Apple did it with the iPod, the iPad when it came out in 2010. Apple did it with the iPod. Uh, when when that thing came out in 2001, right? And Apple did it with the iPhone in 2007. There's a fair amount of time in between there. Um, you know, one can argue that 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 uh, um, that that it's been long enough, and that Apple should have another uh, amazing idea. But um, I, I think that that's a spurious concept. I think that uh, the 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 market has to be just right for that. I think that that there has to be um, an idea that takes hold and makes sense uh, just right. And I think Apple has to um, uh, uh, be able to see a way to navigate it. But when Apple is at its best, it's not inventing something out of whole cloth. It's taking a problem that people have had and taking a fresh look at it and saying, we can do this better and this is how we're going to do it better. If you take a look at the iPod, for example, there were MP3 players before the iPod. There were plenty of them. Apple looked at them and said, these all suck. We've got a better way of doing this. We're going to do the iPod. And that's that set the tone for the market. Likewise, smartphones were already a thing in 2007 when the iPhone came on the market. Um, Apple uh, took a look at, at what smartphones were and said, these are ugly you know, clunky devices with these big, you know, thumb-based keyboards, and and we can do this in a more elegant way using this 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 touchscreen interface. That set the standard for those devices. You know, I mean, for for all of you Android fans who are listening, if you've actually looked at Android, the way that Android looked prior to the iPhone announcement, it looked very different prior to the iPhone announcement than it did in the months afterwards. They all um, looked like Blackberries. Now, if you look at Samsung's products. It looked like an imitation of the BlackBerry. Everything looked like a BlackBerry. That was a standard bearer for smartphones until the iPhone came out. Then within months, everything looked like the iPhone. 
Exactly. And once again, tablets, tablets were a thing. Android tablets weren't a thing yet. But I remember back in the 90s when I was doing um, uh, IT management, handling uh, Windows-based tablets, um, they were radically redesigned when the iPad hit the market in 2010. So, uh, you know, Apple, Apple doesn't necessarily create something purely out of its imagination that it says people need this. They look at problems that people are having and they figure out the best way to solve them. And that's what we've got in our pockets or in our backpacks today. Those are the things uh, that have made our life better. Whatever Apple is going to do in 2014, I know it's going to make our lives better somehow. Looking, for example, at tablets. The PC makers have always been making these convertible tablets where you have a notebook computer that maybe it detaches or swivels and it's got a touch screen. They've been doing that for years and nobody cares. We care about the fact that we have Peter Cohen. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Do you know how much the dollar has lost in its value against other currencies in the last 90 days? Ever think about how inflation will change your life, your savings, your retirement plans? Remember inflation in Zimbabwe, Argentina, the Weimar Republic? Put another way, who cares if your investments go up 10%, but you lose 40% of your purchasing power? Gold is the only monetary asset as no one else's liability. Gold still buys the same amount of stuff it always did. Gold does not require trust in a third party. You can possess it in your hand. You can take it with you. Gold is real money. Gold is honest money. My name is Daniel Larson from Midas Resources. To find out how you can protect your savings and roll over your IRA funds into precious metals accounts, please call me at 800-686-2237, extension 134. That's 800-686-2237, extension 134. 800-686-2237, extension 134. An e-cig revolution is sweeping across the country. But is yours American-made? Vapriate e-liquid by LaSig is. Manufactured in Arkansas with 100% USA-sourced ingredients. And when you buy American, you support local jobs. Vapriate e-liquid by LaSig is top quality at an affordable price. The very principle that once drove the American economy. Get great taste with no ash, tar, or smoke. You'll be wondering why you didn't make the change to Vapriate e-liquid by LaSig a long time ago. LaSig.com has everything you need for beginners to the advanced vaping enthusiast with a wide variety of hard 
hardware and also imported e-liquid flavors as well. Plus, LeSig smokes the competition with fast, free, same-day shipping, real people customer service, and a 30-day satisfaction guarantee. Support our country and become a Vapriot at LeSig.com or call 870-525-1440, 870-525-1440. LeSig e-cigarettes for today's modern smoker. Normal blood pressure, naturally. How would that make you feel? I'm Don from New Mexico. January of 2000, I had a heart attack. Then my real health began going downhill, and I had uh, high blood pressure, high blood sugar, poor vision, and I really wasn't sleeping well. I was a mess, pretty much. Don reports dramatic improvements with heart and body extract. I started taking uh, heart and body extract, and from within a few days, I started sleeping a lot better. My blood pressure uh, normalized, my blood sugar normalized, and uh, my sleep really did improve. Experience these benefits and more when your body gets what it needs with the assistance of Heart and Body Extract. Order at hbextract.com or call 866-295-5305. That's hbextract.com or call 866-295-5305. Folks, I did not expect this at all. By the 7th, 8th, and ninth day, I saw dramatic improvements from taking Heart and Body Extract. Details at hbextract.com or call 866-295-5305 for Heart and Body Extract. We'd like to hear from you. If you have any thoughts or comments about the Tech Night Owl Live, please get in touch at news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. Looking for past episodes? We've got hundreds at technightowl.com slash radio. That's technightowl.com slash radio. Or subscribe on iTunes. Ah, he liked that segue, Peter Cohen. He <laughs> smirked. You know, yes. I, I make people smirk. You know, I'm very good at it. I am the smirk expert. Peter Cohen joining us. He's from iMore, among the various places he writes. And we've been covering things that might happen. Things that did happen in 2013 with Apple. Things that might happen in 2014. iOS in the car. Now, there's a published report here that Apple and Google will be fighting for presence in your car. So, for example, Audi, the luxury car maker owned by Volkswagen, has a deal to put Android in their car. Apple has made deals with other car makers. Honda's adding stuff there. We have Siri in the car from Chevrolet and other companies. Is this the big battleground for the tech behemoths for the next few years? Or does anyone care? I think that Apple and Google and the others who are competing in this space run a very dangerous game of alienating their customers by doing this. Um, And I shouldn't blame it on Apple and Android. I mean, obviously, they're going to go where the opportunity is. I do hold the car makers a little bit responsible. You know, if if you take a look at Apple's transition transition to the Lightning connector, for example, with the iPhone, uh, for the it was introduced with the iPhone five in 2012, that created a lot of disruption for car owners who had cars that have 30-pin dock connectors built into them somewhere. You know, in some cases, it's in the armrest. In some cases, it's um, in the glove box or somewhere else. But car manufacturers, rightly or wrongly, assumed that Apple was going to stick with the 30-pin dock connector standard. You know, in many cases, they made it impossible for their owners to replace these cables with a lightning-equipped cable. Now, there are adapters that you can get, but they're imperfect solutions. You know, they may add a little bit of bulk so you can no longer stick your device in a dock, or they may be floppy cables that introduce just a little bit more inelegance 
to the interior of your car. You know, it's, it's, it's an ugly situation. So I think that car makers need to be very careful of adopting technology that may get obsoleted uh, before the car does. You know, and people oftentimes hold on to their cars for, you know, five, ten years. The average age of a car is over 11 years in the U.S., believe it or not. Even people who buy new cars, maybe they have a second car. It's the older car or the car they hand to the kids. The point being here is the infotainment system on the 11-year-old car doesn't exist. It's an AM-FM radio. There's no satellite radio there. Maybe there's a CD player. Maybe there's a cassette player. But you have to allow for this. Now, a lot of cars, they give you a regular tiny audio jack and USB. That's fine. But even today, 2014 cars are still offering an iPhone connector using the dock connector, not lightning. So you have to get the adapter. Even in 2014, for 2014 models, and I've checked. Some big car makers are still offering the older connectors, and you ask the salespeople when they're going to fix that. Even though there are how many? hundred, A couple hundred million iOS devices out there with lightning connectors? They don't know. Yeah, the car industry tends to move very slowly and very incrementally, so it's been an interesting process um, to see them start to adapt iOS in the car or, um, you know, Google Android in the car, whatever it is that they're going to do. Uh, Car manufacturers are not averse to adopting new technology to appeal to their customers, but they are averse to making major changes all at once. Um, You know, so... You see passive restraint systems in cars, and you see cars starting to park themselves and stuff like that. Uh, but, you, you know, it's it's been a long time coming. It, it, auto manufacturers, more than anything, don't want to be sued for putting something in a car that ends up killing people. Um, so, you know, they, 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 I think they've got their, um, their hearts in the right place on a lot of this stuff. Uh, but, you know, and I'm not saying, obviously, that iOS in the car is going to kill anybody, but they have right... They have they have the the I think their their heart is in the right place to uh, be skeptical of incorporating new technology too quickly. Having said that, there's no question that a lot of people rely on their smartphones in the car and do it right now in very dangerous ways by actually talking, you know, while they're driving or by looking at their smartphone uh, while they're operating their vehicle. These are not smart things to do. And uh, unfortunately, legislating common sense for most people is an impossibility. So, uh, you know, car makers and Apple and Google and so on are trying to find ways to get that technology safer and more accessible in a way that doesn't um, either intimidate drivers or reduce um, safety in any way. And that's a very tricky balance. We should point here, too. That it's not because the car makers are nice. They want to make money. They want to sell your product, but they don't want you to die because if you die or are seriously injured, they will be sued. They don't want to be sued, and they want to make sure that you don't regard their car as being behind the times so you won't buy it. So you have that two competing factions there. You've got you want to be cutting edge with cutting edge features. You don't want to kill your customers or injure them. You know, it's like when they had the Ford Pinto back in the 70s with the gas tank that on a collision could burst into flames. Well, the bean counters at Ford decided that it would be cheaper 
to withstand a few hundred lawsuits from people who died than to make the product more expensive and maybe endure fewer profits or have other people buy others' cars. Instead of having you buy another car, they have you pay a few dollars less with the risk you might die. That's exactly right. And uh, not only that, but not only do they don't want people dying because they're going to get sued, but they also don't want people dying or getting hurt because then people won't buy their next year's models. I don't know. You had all these problems about so-called unattended acceleration with a Toyota Camry and Toyota's doing well. I know they had that problem allegedly with Audis back in the 1980s. And it took a long time for Audi to overcome that reputation. Of course, it's also true that Audis in the 1980s were horribly built. My brother owned one or two. And he told me about the experiences he had. And you don't want to know from them. No doubt. Well, you know, they had the Quattro. That was kind of cool technology. But um, they also had the Fox. That wasn't so good. Wasn't such a foxy car. No. But then you have to look at Fiat. <laughs> My brother had this beautiful Fiat four-door. It was a great car, as long as it wasn't in the shop, which was every other week. And right now, Fiat's back in the U.S., but it doesn't look like they're having a great time selling those things. you know. But then Fiat was smart. They decided to take over Chrysler, so that's where they're selling things. You don't want to hear about this. Peter Cohen, would you tell our listeners where they can find more of the great stuff that you do? imore.com and you can find me on Twitter at Flarg F-L-A-R-G and by the way ladies and gentlemen don't ask him to explain what Flarg means it's only on a need to know basis even the NSA doesn't know today what Flarg means and if they don't know who does next up on the Tech Night Out Live we'll have our friend Kirk McElhern the iTunes guy who bought himself a cheap Android phone. Last time we talked with him, we're going to learn more about that. Peter Cohen, thanks for joining us on the Tech Night Out Live. As always, Gene, thank you and Happy New Year to everyone. Same to you, Peter. Not just an alternative to the mainstream media. We're the premier independent talk radio network. We are GCN. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's The Coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors. Find out more at rockoids.com. That's rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. So here's what happened. I was placing an order online. The site went down. It just stopped responding. It took hours before it returned, but I'd already placed the order with another company. If your site goes down, you could lose business. And if you have a business or personal site, you'll want to know it's easy to run and it will stay online. At iWeb, your site is hosted on one of the most reliable networks in the world. Check it out. iWeb.com. That's iWeb.com. To thank you for being a loyal listener, we have a limited-time freebie offer for you. Claim your free heirloom tomato seeds, just pay shipping, right now at 123freeseeds.com. These aren't ordinary seeds. These are heirloom, non-genetically modified super seeds that are open-pollinated and can be grown, harvested, and replanted endlessly. 
These survival seeds are actually more valuable than gold in a crisis. Go to 123freeseeds.com and you can get an airtight storage packet of 150 super seeds free while supplies last to say thank you for being a loyal listener. First come, first served. Just cover shipping. Go to 123freeseeds.com now to see if your free heirloom seeds are still available. That's 123freeseeds.com. Would you like being an insider? Would you like getting exclusive access to prizes and better deals? Would you like some help in making sure you and your loved ones are prepared for the next disaster or emergency? If you answered yes to any of these, here's your simple solution. Join Freeze Dry Guys Survival Insider Club. Not only is your membership free, you get $10 in survival bucks just for signing up. Then you save at least 10% on purchases, plus enjoy insider access to specials, prizes, and other exclusive offers. Since 1970, veteran-owned Freeze-Dry Guy has been your trusted source for long-lasting, easy-to-make freeze-dried food and dehydrated food, perfect for emergency preparedness, RV travel, and outdoor needs from camping to sailing. Enjoy life as a survival insider. Call Freeze-Dry Guy now at 866-404-3663. 866-404-FOOD or log on to freezedryguy.com that's freezedryguy.com A healthy digestive system supports a healthy immune system and a healthy immune system protects you against infections and disease. Pro-EM1 Daily Probiotic Cleanse available at Terragonics.com is the key to digestive health. Pro-EM1 is a powerful liquid probiotic and is gentle enough to use every day. Pro-EM1 contains three groups of beneficial microbes and enzymes to cleanse and remove toxins, supports weight loss, improves absorption of food nutrients, and aids in controlling yeast and other infections. Pro-EM1 is dairy, wheat, and soy-free, is non-GMO, has all natural certified organic ingredients, has no preservatives, and is never freeze-dried. Pro-EM1 is the key to your digestive health. Order Pro-EM1 Daily Probiotic Cleanse at Terraganics.com, spelled T-E-R-A-G-A-N-I-X.com. Terraganics.com. Or call toll-free 866-369-3678. That's 866-369-3678. Pro-EM1, the raw probiotic. What's going to happen next? You never know when you're listening to the Tech Night Owl live with Gene Steinberg. So with our first broadcast of 2014, we are communicating with our friend Kirk McElhern from space. And that is not the final frontier. That is not subspace radio. It's actually by Skype through space. Kirk McElhern, please explain. Hello, Gene. How are you down on Earth? (laughs) We're doing this through space only because um, the only way I can get internet where I'm living now, the only way I can get decent speed internet is to use satellite internet. So I actually have two internet connections. One is a one and a half megabits DSL connection, and the other is a 20 megabit satellite connection. So we're doing this over the satellite, and this is the first time that I've used Skype over the satellite. I had understood that voice over IP or VOIP, things like Skype, didn't work very well because of the latency, the amount of time it takes for a signal to get from your computer to the satellite and back was too high, but it sounds like everything's working out fine here. Yeah, I did notice. I actually did notice Kirk sounded essentially the same way he always does. 
and you can take that either way. Yeah. But okay. seriously speaking, no, it's perfect. It sounds quite yeah, normal, just the way we've always done it. Now, you're living in well, a converted farmhouse, is it? It's a converted barn. It's a few miles from Stratford-upon-Avon, which you may know because there was a writer who was fairly well-known who was born there. Where I am, there is neither cell phone nor internet of anything that to speak of. As I said, I, I have DSL. It's about one and a half megabits. One and a half megabits is actually fine for web browsing, email, things like that. So I've got one router for that, and I've got another router for the satellite. For for all the handheld devices, iPhones and iPads, we're using the, the DSL. And for my computer, I use the satellite because I get higher speeds, and when I need to download anything, it's a lot quicker. Now, what sort of bandwidth do they give you? What kind of bandwidth cap? Well, I, get a, I chose, you, there are three different or four different levels, and I chose 50 gigabytes a month, which is the highest. But also, between 11 p.m. and 7 a.m., it's unlimited. Now, of course, what that means is when you go to download something at 11.01, your speed is very slow because everyone's starting their downloads at that time. But if you're downloading something big, it's a good idea to use a download manager. You started at 11 o'clock. You don't care when it finishes. You just want it the next morning. I'm guessing most people are going to download maybe one movie at 11 o'clock. And I, I should check, actually, if I can't sleep one day, I'll get up and do some speed tests and see what it's like, you know, at what time the speed goes up to the 20 megabits. I actually had the, – the highest I've seen is 21 and a half, um, and that was very early in the morning, so before people are really doing anything on the internet. But it's like, you know, it's like cable internet where you're sharing a certain amount of bandwidth with a number of people, and the more people using it, the less bandwidth you get. Well, it sounds like it's worth the money considering there's no alternative, but you were telling us the last time we had you on the show that the regular DSL provider is working on building fiber or something out there? Well, they're discussing bringing fiber, at least to the local exchange, uh, in which case it would mean that I'd probably get 6 or 8 or 10 or, or something, maybe even 15 megabits here. Well, that's um, but in the meantime, well, that would even 10, I'd be, I'd be delighted because the satellite costs about three times what the DSL costs. So if I could not have that expense, I'd be very happy. I had 15 megabits at the last place I lived in New York. When I was in France, the highest I had was about, uh, let's see, about 10 or 12. So I don't need fiber. My son has 75 megabit fiber just outside of Paris. I don't need that. And you feel um, jealous of him. If I could get him. 10. I don't actually because the only time that comes in handy is when you're downloading a new version of OS ten. So what is it, 4.3 gigabytes or 4.5 even maybe for, for Mavericks. And you're sitting there waiting or you're downloading a new version of iOS or something. That's when you really want that speed. But in other cases, you know, as long as it's fast enough to stream a movie from Netflix, to stream a movie from the iTunes store, a rental, for instance, that's fine with me. But at least at this point, you're covered. You're paying a lot more than it's probably worth, but you're covered. I'm paying more than I really want to, but I am covered. It's it's the cost of doing business. If you want to live in a in a nice area, you're going to pay less in rent compared to what you'd pay in a city for something the same size, but you're going to pay more for other things like internet and, and cell phones. So, for instance, my cell phone, um, there's no cell coverage, and in addition, I'm in a house with stone walls. So what little I can sometimes get coverage outdoors, but not very often. Um so I got 
a, a femto cell from my cell phone provider, and that's connected to the internet, to the ADSL. So I get four or five bars anywhere in the house. So at least I do get phone coverage. That's um, the equivalent that of having like a repeater. Yeah, but it's only for the cell phone. It's not a repeater for like a, a Wi-Fi network. Okay. Um, so that that was a one-off cost, and that means that I do get cell phone access indoors, which makes it a lot easier because I give my cell phone number to people. I don't give my landline number out, um, and it, it's just you know it's easier to deal with like that. So I've got cell coverage. I've got internet. Um, it wasn't easy. It wasn't cheap, but you know, it works so far. So far. Well, things may happen. Maybe E.T. will break in as we have this conversation. Yeah, you know, in that case, I'm not really too worried about getting Internet access. If the zombie apocalypse comes, then we're more worried about getting food than anything else. Right. What was it? World War Z was the movie with Brad Pitt? Yeah. Yeah. And for those of you who saw the great. American TV show The Killing, Murray Enos was his wife, the red-haired woman, who was very dressed down in the killing, but actually is a very glamorous woman. Let's go to this other thing you sprung upon us the last time you were on. You got yourself a Moto G smartphone, right? Yeah, I did, yeah. It's available in this country for $179 unlocked. This was your first excursion into the infamous world of Android land. Now, I understand from what I read at the Motorola site in the U.S., maybe it doesn't apply to you. It doesn't have the latest Android on it. It has the previous version. Yeah, but it's it's going to get an update in January, which the little I understand about Android, I do understand that most of them aren't often updatable to the latest versions, unlike iOS, where as long as your device can work with the new version of iOS, you can get an update. Um, this is eligible for the update. Uh, since it's unlocked, it's not blocked by a carrier who's installed their own specific version. I think there's one Motorola app in addition to the basic Android. Um, remember, Motorola is owned by Google, and Google makes Android, so it's... Yes, but it, then you think that if Google wants to showcase the premier manufacturer of Android phones because they own it, they have the latest and greatest software included, not something available two months from down the pike. It's very possible that they've got the latest version in other Motorola phones that aren't as cheap. I don't know. Um, I really didn't do a, a comparison. And uh, I need to start, because I read it was going to be in January. We're in January now, of course, in, in 2014. Um, and I need to find out when it's going to be available and how I update. I assume the phone's going to tell me at some point that you know an update's available, but I have no idea how that's going to work. Huh. Well, let's talk about the phone a little bit here. Now... Let's bring our listeners back to where you started here. You've obviously been exposed to Android, but you felt you had to have your own Android phone to really understand the platform. And obviously, a smartphone from Google's own company would be an ideal choice, especially considering it was very affordable. The other question I would also ask you as we continue on this is, how the heck does Google make a profit on this? Well, you know, Google makes a profit on you and me. They don't make a profit on necessarily their services. And I think what they're getting mostly out of this is they're getting a user in the Google ecosystem to, to for whom they can sell ads. They're getting demographic information about you. Um, when you realize that you've got all these Google apps that are 
on the phone already. So let me just find my Google folder. So I've got Google Plus, Gmail, Calendar, Hangouts, Quick Office, Photos, Google Drive, Analytics. I think I had to download Analytics. Finance, My Tracks, Keep, Goggles, the Google Play Store. And we'll know more about um, that in a moment. We have Kirk McElhern joining us on the Tech Night Owl Live. <laughs> Headlines, suspensions, FCC investigations. That's man cow for you. Hear him here. GCN. Neighbors, are you tired of dealing with a slow web hosting provider? Well, check out A2 Hosting and their screaming fast Swift server platform. They even have SSDs that load pages 300% faster than the competition. Ready to give your site a speed boost? Well, tell you what, neighbors, head on over to a2hosting.com. That's A2, that's number two, a2hosting.com. Check out their Prime Hosting account. And get this, neighbors, they're even giving you an exclusive 25% off discount for all our listeners. 25%. And remember, their Guru Crew support team is standing by 24 7, 365 days a year to answer any of your questions. Now, to get the discount, use the coupon code Gene when you check out. This alert just came in. This special announcement is for business owners and leaders of organizations who've been waiting for the right time to build. General Steel has made it impossible to wait any longer with rock-bottom prices that could save you thousands. That's right. General Steel, America's leader in pre-engineered structures, is offering buildings at prices you will never see again. Don't miss these prices. A 50 by 100 for under $30,000. You heard right. That's 5,000 square feet under $30,000. Manufacturers, if you need a larger building, try a 100 by 100 commercial building for $129,000. You can't afford to rent with these prices. Imagine a 70 by 100-foot church building for under $69,000. With the economy improving and interest rates still at historic lows, you can't afford to wait. So call 866-91-STEEL. Lock in your price now. Take delivery in spring. 866-91-STEEL. That's 866-917-8335. For over five years, you've been hearing about the Berkey guy, so you may know a few things about him. For example, you are well aware of the superior quality and effectiveness of Berkey water filters and accessories. But did you know the Berkeys have had independent lab tests done to prove just how effective they are? It's true, and he can email you the test results. Just visit GoBerkey.com. You may also know that the Berkey guy has helped tens of thousands of people get better prepared. Now here's something you may not know. GoBerkey.com has amazing specials and deals all the time on a wide variety of survival and preparedness products, most ready to ship same day. Visit the Berkey guy at GoBerkey.com and be sure to click the red Products on Sale Now button. You can always call toll-free 877-886-3653. Again, that's 877-886-3653. GoBerkey.com, home of the Berkey guy. 
Hi, my name is DeRay, suffering from migraines, having Botox injections in my head and neck to alleviate pain, costing $1,500 out of my pocket. I discovered Dr. Ortman and Gentle Touch Chiropractic Adjustment called Nuka. I'm migraine-free since my first adjustment. Thanks for giving me my life back, Dr. Ortman. I wish they prescribed you instead of Botox. Thanks, DeRay. Putting the bones back in place is only half of the solution. We design a nutritional supplement program the body can handle and actually absorb, providing nutrients targeting the problem area. Between Nuka and Nutrition, we will have you on the road to a faster and more permanent recovery. Look us up on the web at drortman.com or call 952-303-9124. Let us help you feel better faster. Wellspring Spinal Care at 952-303-9124. Again, that's 952-303-9124 or on the web at drortman.com. You never know what's going to happen next while listening to the Tech Night Isle, live with Gene Steinberg. With Kirk McElhern joining us on the Tech Night Isle live, he has here... A Moto G smartphone exposing himself full-time to Google's Android platform. And this is as pure or almost pure an Android experience as you get. So what you receive on there is not some manufacturer like Samsung throwing lots of junkware on there. This is a fairly pristine Android experience. I think it's as close to neutral as you can get, to be honest. Uh, Again, as I said, there, there is one Motorola app. But other than that, I can't see anything else that looks like it's not part of the standard Android. I mean, I did download a, let me just, what is it called? Is, is it Jelly Bean that I have? I'm having trouble with the names here. Um, I did download a, a Jelly Bean manual to try and understand some of the things I haven't figured out yet. It looks like, you know, I, I haven't seen anything that doesn't fit. Whenever I've looked something up, I haven't seen anything that's not in the manual, so... Um, as far as I can tell, it's as native as, what would it be, as virgin as you can get. And that's not Madonna singing a song, by the way. This is no, the real thing. Not. Okay, so now that you are exposed to the right thing here, you're giving Google all your personal information so they could feed you with targeted ads, which is their intent. That's what they're selling it for cost for. All right, comparing this to iOS 7 on your iPhone 5S. What are the most extreme differences you see? I think the unity of design in iOS 7 is much more apparent. Um, like it or hate it, and, and we discussed, I guess it's going back almost six months now when, when iOS 7 was in beta and we were looking at the, the flat icons and all that. Like it or hate it, iOS 7 does have a, what's the word? It, it's got a look. Um, you can recognize it a mile away. Android doesn't seem to have that. Android seems to be a bit more, you know, it's like the Mac Windows thing. We're, back in the day, um, think about Windows XP, um, and I guess we're early OS ten. The differences were the, the sort of attention to detail, the, the kind of, the, the character of the OS. One thing that I'm, for instance... 
So if you look, I'm looking at my the two phones together. All of the icons on iOS are exactly the same shape. They're the sort of squares with rounded corners. And icons can be any shape they want on Android. So for instance, the Google Maps icon looks like a folded map. So the top and the bottom aren't flat. They, they're made to look like folds. Um, the Waze icon, Waze is a, is a travel app, looks like a little speech bubble with two wheels and a smiley face um a number of apps are square the kindle app is square with round corners the facebook app icon is a little bit smaller than some of the other square icons firefox is round skype is the same shape as the skype icon on os 10 so you don't you you've got much of much more of a mix on android now this isn't i'm not saying this is a bad thing um and in fact, it's very possible that the shapes make it easier to spot icons on Android than on iOS. Okay, but, but there is no edict from Google to make things more consistent. No, and and that's one of the big differences. Um, it's I wouldn't say anything goes. I'm sure there are certain limits. An icon probably can't be too small, um, but it's... It does look a little more ragged than iOS because iOS is – there are all these rules for Apple developers and iOS developers that we've, you know, we've known about for years. And it does make a bit more coherence in iOS than it does on Android. Now, once you open an app, it's anything goes. Um, you don't have anything like – the sort of coherence you're starting to get with popular apps on iOS 7, where they're taking on the characteristics of these flat, um, monochromatic uh, interfaces. And you can see this a lot on anything that's cross-platform. They're generally going to look the same on both platforms. You, you'll see things like, if you play a game like Words with Friends, um, that's clearly going to have its own... Uh, its own look. Um, but I'm looking at the Kindle app right now on both of them, and they're very similar. So it looks like Amazon really took Apple's design rules and applied them more to Android than to just OS X. Um, comparing the two, I remember when the iOS 7 version of the Kindle app came out, it was you know, quite different from the previous version. And it's true that here, when you look on um, Android, it's relatively similar. The Android is relatively similar to the iOS 7 version. So it's easier for them to follow through on Apple's interface guidelines because Apple will enforce them when they make an Android app. It looks to me that for some apps, companies are adopting Apple's guidelines, yeah. Not all of them, because, for instance, the Kindle app um, on Android has got two sort of buttons. One's recessed and one's whatever the opposite of recessed is, whereas they're flat on iOS. Um, but other than that, you can see that there are a lot of similarities that look more iOS than Android for apps like that. Now, again, I mentioned Words for Friends. Um, it looks like Words for Friends um, on any platform. It has its own sort of... 3D-ish interface, and I doubt they're going to change that to match iOS 7. Um, something like Flipboard that I use to read news, um, it looks pretty much the same on both platforms. It, I don't remember when they made the changes to the iOS version, but it looks again like they've copied the iOS version for Android. Um, let's see what else. If you look at Google Maps, it's the same on both. 
um, Facebook. So Facebook recently updated their iOS version to be flat, and they haven't updated the Android version yet to be as flat. Um, so there are some clear differences, though very minimal. Um, it's just a slight non-flatness, whereas on iOS 7, it's totally flat. If you look at the, the blue navigation bar at the top of the window. Now, you know, so in terms of, in, in, in terms of apps, I've seen some apps that are totally horrid. Um, and I've seen some apps that are totally beautiful. Um, but I think iOS does have the advantage um, again, in part because Apple does enforce rules um, that the apps are going to look a little bit more, a little bit nicer on, a, on iOS. Now, let me tell you my experience with some apps that I had used on the iPhone with the Samsung Galaxy S4, which was a heavily, a heavily junkware-filled product, okay? And it was using... Android 4.3. Now, the new version is 4.4 KitKat. Click, click, or whatever. Anyway, the thing I noticed was apps that worked just fine on the iPhone barely worked at all. One example was Time Magazine. As a matter of fact, half the time I'd tap a story to read it, and it wouldn't work. And I'd tap it again, it wouldn't work. And I have to go outside the app, kind of go up each level to the top layer of the app and drill down again to get it to work. Inconsistent. The app for our network, GCN, worked fine on the iOS version. The Android version never got it to work. And part of that issue, of course, is that with Android, only a certain percentage are using the latest operating system. Right now, it's 4.4 KitKat. Maybe 1% or 2% are using it because not all the handsets have been updated yet. Even the one made by Google's division, it won't happen till a little bit later. All right, this is the point. So a developer trying to build an app for Android has to either dumb it down to work on older versions of the OS, try to find a generic way to do it, or ignore the older versions and make it work on the current versions. And that's got to be a headache and a half. Well... I haven't really tried enough apps. Most of the apps that I've tried are, I wouldn't say big name apps, but apps that are relatively common. Um, so WordPress and Flipboard and The Guardian and Amazon Kindle and Waze and Facebook and things like that. Um, you were talking about your network app. Um, I haven't tried that. So, you know, things that are smaller apps are going to certainly have more trouble because when you're developing an app for Android, you're developing for 150 different screen sizes and pixel formats and, you know, 12 different versions of the OS and all that. So it's yes, certainly a lot but, more complicated. Yes, but one of those apps is Time Magazine. And we figure Time Magazine's got to be one of the more popular apps. It's a major publication. You kind of have to think it would work pretty well on Android because the developers at Time Incorporated would want that to happen. We want to talk further about Android and iOS with the guy who's learning Android anew, Kirk McElhern, the iTunes guy. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. The nation's largest independently owned and operated talk radio network. The Genesis Communications Network. GCN. 
Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you'd like to listen to GCN programs on the go, I have great news. GCN has created a Droid and iPhone application, and it's free. Just as easy as going to GCNlive.com, click on the banner and download. Before you know it, you'll be listening to your favorite hard-hitting GCN shows, live or on demand, right on your Droid or iPhone, 24-7 and on the go. So download the Droid and iPhone app free by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Thanks again for listening to GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. We the people grow cotton, weave fabric, engrave ink, embed strips and fibers to protect from counterfeit, and carting to a private bank, having it led back at interest, forcing taxes to service debt. This capitalism, or was Jefferson correct when stating a central bank issuing the public currency is a greater menace to the liberties of the people than a standing army? Ted Anderson, I'm placing a free silver dollar in a book that explains our monetary system. Call for your copy, 800-686-2237. It's time to understand the system. Call 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237. Time and time again. You need to come here and help us. We need assistance. Please. Those we should be able to depend on let us down. Federal and state and local officials saying help is on the way. Well, the folks here in Bell Harbor say show me. Don't depend on the government to save you. Take action now so that you're prepared for the next disaster with MyPatriotSupply.com. Get the best prices on storable food, non-GMO seeds, water filtration devices, home canning equipment, survival and self-reliance books, and more at MyPatriotSupply.com. Call 866-229-0927. We are hurting down here, and we need help immediately. Before it's time to survive, it's time to prepare. MyPatriotSupply.com. MyPatriotSupply.com. Welcome back to the Tech Night Owl Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. First show of the year with Kirk McElhern. The iTunes guy from Macworld, he also has McElhern.com, where he has his various comments on a lot of issues. We'll get to that in a moment. But as our listeners know, he got himself a Moto G, a low-cost, unlocked Android smartphone. You're doing the comparisons. The fact is that the Android developer has to find a way to make something fit with 150 or so different screen sizes, configurations. Now, I gather, Kirk, that one of the reasons that Google developed Android KitKat 4.4 was to lower the resource requirements so they could make it possible to be available on older smartphones, but it still depends on the manufacturer and the carrier. So is that going to work? Well, that's the biggest problem with Android, isn't it? That the carriers have their say. Apple would never let that happen. I don't think even since the beginning of the iPhone, Apple has allowed a carrier to dictate anything on iOS. So... Google does have that problem, and it's a tough problem to deal with as long as they're not willing to say to the carriers, listen, you take our operating system as is, um, then there's going to be this mess. And it's it's kind of like the Windows world where you can buy a PC from Dell or HP or whatever, and they load a whole bunch of crapware on it. Um, I think it probably is going to slowly lead to people disliking Android devices, that's probably true already. 
to some degree. You know, I've talked to people who are more than happy. And listen, I told you the last time we talked about this, after I had just had this phone for a short time, that I would recommend to anyone, if they want a smartphone and they're not locked into the Apple ecosystem, that they buy this phone. It's cheap. I mean, cheap in price. It's not cheap in quality. And for most users, they don't care that much. They use a half a dozen apps. Um, They browse the web, send email, send texts, and make phone calls. So, but the problem is that if you've got a carrier locked phone and it's got a whole lot of crap on it, then that's just going to, people are going to get upset and get tired of it. So, I mean, I, I know many people who like Android, many people who hate it. Some who've gone from the iPhone to Android, some have gone from, to and, from Android to the iPhone. Again, a lot of it has to do with what you're going to pay for the phone. Most people won't buy an unlocked phone because of the price. Um, when you're down to, what is it, $179 that you said, or over here, 130 pounds, um, the question of buying an unlocked phone isn't as big a deal as it was before. Now, the other issue here I wonder about, Google and the carriers. Apple certainly had a lot of muscle, and they said, listen, if you're going to offer the iPhone, you can't mess around with it. You get the phone, you sell the phone, and we take care of the rest. You know, I kind of wonder here if Google can't exert more leverage on the carriers because the carriers are making tons of money from Android. Google is a big company, a huge company. Why can't they start talking to the carriers saying, we need to get this thing straightened out because it's not helping the customer? We need to provide more consistency. You're going to have to work with us to make sure you push these updates to as many customers as possible. Google has the power. It it surprises me, actually, to think that they would want to have their operating system this fragmented. Um, as you st- They are one of the biggest companies, and they certainly could put their feet down and say, you know, dude, you're going to put the operating system the way we want, period. Now, maybe the reason they didn't do this initially is they wanted to get as many phones running Android as possible, because what, what were the alternatives? So you've still got the Windows uh, mobile operating system but wasn't there something else didn't nokia have an operating system of their own a couple of years ago symbian was their operating system then of course you had blackberry you had blackberry and you had the palm os or whatever they changed the name to so in the beginning i think google was trying to make sure they got a foothold now that they do have the foothold can they just come back and say well we're going to apply these rules now i don't know if it's that simple well Again, the deal is with the handset makers, not the carriers. So it would require working with the handset makers. The handset makers are getting Android free. And we also look at the problem with Samsung. Samsung probably would exit Android tomorrow if they can get away with it. Mm. You know, they're developing their own operating system, I think, with Intel and some other companies. Yeah. And... The way it's going, they didn't mention Android hardly at all when they rolled out the Galaxy S4. So you kind of think here, if Samsung could fork Android, develop their own version, build an app ecosystem, they'd say bye-bye to Google. Tomorrow they would. Well, the app ecosystem is probably one of the biggest factors right now, because once you've bought enough apps, you don't want to have to buy them again for another operating system. Um so you've got two main ecosystems today, and you've got Windows. I don't know how many apps 
they sell for Windows Mobile. Um, but Three, between Android and iOS, yeah, <laughs> between Android and iOS, you've got two main ecosystems. And every time you change platforms, um, if you're really lo locked into specific apps, you may need to buy them again. Um, and that's a bit of an issue. Now, what we're seeing is we're seeing a, a number of apps that are free with in-app purchases or free with subscriptions and things. Think of something like Instapaper. You can use it on any platform, and you don't have to buy it because you, if you're using the pro version, you paid for a subscription. The same thing with Dropbox. So a lot of those productivity apps are things you may be paying for on the side, and you haven't actually paid for the apps themselves, which would make it easier to, to make the shift. But if you've got a lot of paid apps, you just don't really want to go and switch phones and find that you can't use any of these apps anymore. Well, we have to think also, if they did that, they'd have to make an accommodation with app developers that if you have existing customers, you can keep your customers, you know, like you can want your health insurance. Anyway, we don't want to get into that. No, I understand the complexities here, and maybe what they'd have to do would be to allow the operating system to remain compatible with existing Android apps and move from there. Kind of like a Rosetta thing or whatever that can emulate um, which is certainly possible because the the Android base, you, you know, imagine that Samsung is just doing what everyone does with Linux, just putting a new GUI on top of the same base. And that's probably because Android is technically open source, or most of it is. Um, so it's very possible that that's what they're doing and that they could still use those apps. But does the Google Play system have some sort of a verification the same way that your Apple ID works? Um, I'm not really sure about that. Would an app refuse to work on, on a Samsung OS um, because it detects that it's not the particular Android version that's supposed to be used with it? You know, I don't know the logic of that, whether it's possible or not. I, I found out something interesting about the Google Play Store a couple of days ago. I was in touch with a developer who's made an app um, for iOS and for Android, and I said, can, I don't know how it works, but can you send me a redeem code for the Android version? And he said to me, they don't exist. Google Play Store has no way for developers to give free apps to people. So that means that when a developer wants to get an app reviewed on the Google Play Store, what do they do? Okay, you tell me, what do they do? Well, they basically refund the person for buying the app. That's what the person offered. Um, I told them, I don't care, really. It was just I wanted to see the app on Android to see how it looked and all that. Um, but basically, if you're an app developer, you can't give out free copies of your apps to potential reviewers um, on the Android side. That's a little bit of a, a limitation, it seems. Sounds screwy to me. I know with iOS, I think they get now 100 free licenses they can offer yeah it was 50 for a long time and i think it's gone up to 100 and you, the, the, it's, you get another 100 every time you update the app so when you've got a new version out i think even if it's a minor update but as long as it counts as a new version um then you can do the codes again i know i've gotten some review copies of ios apps that way but you wonder it seems that google did the smallest possible effort they could make to setting up an app ecosystem. They did as little as possible, perhaps as cheaply as possible, and even when there are security issues, they might be forced kicking and screaming into making the fixes. And certainly, we have tens of millions of people out there who are using very old versions of Android, and you worry about the security. We're very secure when we have Kirk McElhern join us. I'm Gene Steinberg. 
And you are in the Tech Night Owl Live. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that too in Graphic Converter. Also print catalogs. Convert from so many formats, I can't even list them. Download now to see if Graphic Converter is good for you, like one and a half million other users. Guess what? You could save money when you buy Graphic Converter. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL to get a special price for Graphic Converter. Go to LemkeSoft.com. That's L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. LemkeSoft.com. L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. On the average, Americans work between 45 to 50 years hoping to build up enough wealth to retire and live out their golden years. Unfortunately, with taxation, the rising cost of food, energy, housing, and medical, many retirees are forced to live below the poverty line. Is this a flaw free enterprise, or is our monetary unit we call the Federal Reserve Note forcing us into perpetual debt, ensuring inflation and higher taxes? These questions and more can be answered by reading G. Edward Griffin's book, The Creature from Jekyll Island. Congressman Ron Paul states it's what every American needs to know about central bank power. A gripping adventure into the secret world of international banking cartel. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. I will give a silver dollar from the early 1900s to anyone who purchases this book. Call 1-800-686-2237 and order a copy today. It's critical that the public be made aware of the system. Call and order your copy today at 1-800-686-2237. That's 1-800-686-2237. Would you like being an insider? Would you like getting exclusive access to prizes and better deals? Would you like some help in making sure you and your loved ones are prepared for the next disaster or emergency? If you answered yes to any of these, here's your simple solution. Join Freeze Dry Guys Survival Insider Club. Not only is your membership free, you get $10 in survival bucks just for signing up. Then you save at least 10% on purchases, plus enjoy insider access to specials, prizes, and other exclusive offers. Since 1970, veteran-owned Freeze-Dry Guy has been your trusted source for long-lasting, easy-to-make freeze-dried food and dehydrated food, perfect for emergency preparedness, RV travel, and outdoor needs from camping to sailing. Enjoy life as a survival insider. Call Freeze-Dry Guy now at 866-404-3663, 866-404-FOOD, or log on to freezedryguy.com. That's freezedryguy.com. It's no secret that silver is one of the oldest known natural antibiotics, but the mainstream media will never tell we the people this information. Why? Many drug companies and politicians have dangerous alliances that manipulate the way we live by prescribing drugs that only manage disease, keeping us dependent on big pharma. And with Obamacare at our doorstep, we are now forced into a system that many of us do not want any part of. And no man or government has the right to dictate how we as free people choose to take care of our health. The patriots at utopiasilver.com hold this 
this truth dear. Colloidal and ionic silver supplements from utopiasilver.com open the door to a whole new world of natural healing for the body and the mind. Visit utopiasilver.com and discover the safe and effective health benefits of colloidal and ionic silver. Call 888-213-4338. 888-213-4338. And talk to the patriots at utopiasilver.com, a leading source of natural healing using colloidal silver, colloidal gold, minerals, vitamins, and herbs. utopiasilver.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, please send it to news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. If you'd like to discuss today's show with fellow night owls, visit our community forums at forum.technightowl.com. That's forum.technightowl.com. Kirk McElhern joins us from his palatial estate somewhere in the UK with satellite internet, and it seems to work. We don't have a latency problem. We were talking about iOS versus Android, and your basic position here is if someone wants a cheap smartphone, their needs for apps and functionality are limited, a cheap Android smartphone is fine. Yeah, I'm. You know, most users don't have the needs that you and I do. The two conditions for me are: Do you need a smartphone? Which you know, a lot of people do want a smartphone. And the second is: Do you want to sync things to the smartphone? Because that's where Android fails. At least for the Mac, there's a there's an app where you can drag and drop things to the phone, but you don't get the same kind of auto sync that you do with iTunes. Um, and that's you know, iTunes has always been from from the very first iPod. It wasn't so much the iPod that sold. It was the integration with iTunes. It was the ease of the entire chain of back then from ripping a CD to getting it onto the iPod and now from buying content from Apple and getting it onto your iOS devices. That's so much easier. I haven't tried buying movies from the Google Play Store, and I'm sure that they download to the movies thing and you can delete them and re-download them. But I can't sync them to my computer unless I manually take them off of the phone and put them someplace. Now, this may not be the case on Windows. And since I don't use Windows, I haven't looked into it. There may be apps that do sync automatically. But you would think that they would want to get Mac users using Android phones and that they would make an app that could do something like that if they've made one for Windows. Well, I know there's a third-party app or two that allows for synchronization, but the interfaces are horribly clunky, so it doesn't work so well. All right, so that's so much with Android. The phone works fine. In terms of being a phone, talking to people, no problem. It's a phone. I mean, what do you want from a phone? My girlfriend has a 25-pound phone that, you know, has a keypad on it, you know, actual keys and stuff. She gets texts, she makes phone calls, but it's no big deal. So a phone is a phone. You make phone calls, you make texts. That's really the the simplest thing. And any kind of phone is going to do that. And, And it's hard to fail at that, isn't it? I don't know about that. I know that one of my colleagues... One of my online colleagues has this smartphone, and I'm not sure of the service that he's using, but it is a smartphone. And you know what? His voice quality sucks, to be blunt. Okay, well, I I haven't made a lot of calls with the Android phone, but no one's told me that the voice quality is any problem at all. All right, I'll go for that. That's fine. So, you know, can't, can't worry too much. It does all the things that I need very well, 
again, I can't hear what the phone quality is. I could try someday. Um, it does everything else well. The GPS works. I've used it on you know long road tri- well long road trips for here. Um, all the apps work fairly well. The Wi-Fi works. Really can't complain. If everything works, you're happy. You're in business. Let's look at other topics yep. here. Okay. Okay. So looking at 2013 Apple. Apple came under a lot of fire in 2013, uh, quite often for things they didn't do. Like from the beginning part of the year, they were saying, well, we got all this stuff from the supply chain indicating sales of the iPhone 5 weren't good. Of course, they were good. And Tim Cook said, don't take one supply chain metric, if true, and assume it applies to the entire story. But nobody listened to him. And the stock price went up and down and down. Do you think Apple had problems, real problems, in 2013? Didn't they make another few boatloads of cash this year? Does that sound like a problem? Um, the, the closest thing that I see to a problem is promising the Mac Pro um, before the end of the year and then releasing it, what was it, the 28th, the 30th or something? The 20th, something late in December. Um, it came out the like the 18th or something like that. But nobody got one, and those few who did, until close to the 30th. So it technically did ship in December. Just minutes after it went on sale, it slipped from shipping in December to shipping in January to shipping in February. Um, So they clearly only made about two dozen of them to ship in December, uh, which kind of would make me worry about being an early adopter of something like that, that's literally being rushed out to meet a deadline that you don't really want to meet. Well, I suppose also, this is the first time in many years they've actually built computers in the United States. They have to get the production lines going. It's not easy. But there are some fascinating, fascinating things about the Mac Pro, one of which is the cost. And this is fascinating because, you know, we have all these rumors about an Apple tax, and we have people who took the entry-level version the 2999 version, compared it to mm-hmm. PC hardware from people like Dell, HP, Lenovo, and the yep, PC costs yeah. a thousand more. Now, when you try to compare yeah, a uh, high-end Mac Pro, which costs about $9,700 when fully outfitted before you get keyboard, yep. mouse, and display, you can't get one. You have to do a do-it-yourself kind of thing. Well, I saw, I, I think it was an on tech that did a review and did some comparisons, and they admitted they had to fudge some of the numbers to because they couldn't get the equivalent parts. But I think that the, the top-of-the-line Mac Pro at 9700 was a PC that was over 11,000. Like 11,500, um, and they had to fudge, and it's not quite as good. The one problem you see is Thunderbolt 2. Nobody has it yep. but Apple. Yep, yeah. So there are a number of things that aren't exactly the same. I saw some really sloppy tech journalism about the pricing issue. One of them was in a British newspaper from a tech journalist who has written good things in the past and wrote this really brainless article saying how expensive it was and how people were getting ripped off. Um, It doesn't take that much work to go to the Dell website and configure a PC with similar components. On the high end, you can't do it. You can't do it. There's no way to put all that stuff together. On the low end, yes, you can. A Dell Precision yeah, Workstation is going to be about $1,000 more. But if you try to set up the high-end configuration, there's no way. They don't offer it. They don't offer the parts. Yeah. 
So, so it turns out that it's it's certainly an interesting computer, and I'm not sure whether I'm going to get one. Um, I don't need one, but it's always tempting. Um, the people who need it are going to be delighted whenever they get it because it's at least another month. They said shipping February. Um, I don't know what it currently says. While while we're talking, I'm going to go check on the website. Um, for the people who need it, it's going to really blow things away for people who do video work and things like that. For the rest of us, I'd love to see an update to the Mac Mini. Um, well, you know something here. You know they're saying available to ship February here in the United States, so it depends. Okay. Now the other consideration to make here is the fact that for most things that people do with computers, an iMac will be as fast as the Mac Pro. The Mac Pro works with the multiple cores, the high-end graphics, the 3D rendering, mathematics, video editing. Yep. Final Cut Pro 10 is optimized for. The Mac Pro, that's the stuff where it shines. But 95% of the people who use Macs and iMac is just as fast. Kirk McElhern joins us. I'm Gene Steinberger in the Tech Night Out Live. Twenty years of truly dangerous broadcasting. Man cow. Now heard here. Check it out. G-C-N. If you want to get your website online and you need reliable service, first-class service at the lowest possible price, there's only one place to go. Well, DreamHost has a special promotion with our show where they'll offer you unlimited disk space, unlimited bandwidth, one-click web apps such as WordPress, 24-7 support. You can save over $55. You want to know how? Go to Dreamhost. Dreamhost.com slash radio. Dreamhost.com slash radio. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's The Coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors. Find out more at rockoids.com. That's rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. If you owe the IRS back taxes, listen carefully. Sweeping changes to IRS policies will help more people than ever eliminate their tax debts once and for all. And now I can help you reduce or eliminate your tax debts and end your tax nightmare. Hi, I'm Dan Pilla. I've helped thousands of people reduce and eliminate tax debts they couldn't pay. And after more than 30 years of experience dealing with the IRS, I can tell you there's no such thing as a hopeless tax case. And with the IRS's new policies, it's easier than ever to put your tax debt behind you once and for all. Call now at 800-346-6829 to learn how I can help you. You know your IRS debt will not go away by itself, but you don't have to live in fear anymore. Call 800-346-6829. Learn how I can help you eliminate wage and bank levies, release tax liens, and negotiate a settlement with the IRS that will put your tax nightmare behind you forever. Call 800-34-NO-TAX or go to TaxHelpOnline.com. That's TaxHelpOnline.com. 
big business has discovered the preparedness market, and that makes it difficult to know where to go and who to trust. MyPatriotSupply.com is owned and operated by patriots just like you, has the best prices on storable food, non-GMO seeds, water filtration devices, home canning equipment, survival and self-reliance books, and more. MyPatriotSupply.com has old-fashioned values and the absolute best customer service in the industry. Look for the deal of the day, unique affordable survival supplies that fit anyone's budget. Get same-day shipping on all orders and free shipping on orders over $49. Call 866-229-0927, 866-229-0927, or visit MyPatriotSupply.com for emergency preparedness, self-reliance, and food independence. Shop with a name you know and a name you can trust. Before it's time to survive, it's time to prepare. MyPatriotSupply.com These days, so many suffer from heartburn, stomach ulcers, and acid reflux. And most never realize it is the high acidity within the body that causes their discomfort. While selective diet choices can help, AlkaVision Plasma pH drops can really make a change. A few drops added to water can optimize your body's pH level, ridding you of harmful waste and acid, promoting health, and restoring vibrance and energy. Healthy pH levels make all the difference. High acidity can also cause depression, insomnia, and irritability. AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops bring you vital balance that can be truly life-changing. Alkalizing boosts immune response, reduces headaches and cramping, and even helps prevent bone loss. This is simple science that helps your body do what's natural. Order your AlkaVision pH Drops for just $29.95 at AlkaVision.com, A-L-K-A-Vision.com, or call 800-518-7615. Alkalize your body, supercharge your health at AlkaVision.com. What are you listening to? The Tech Night Isle Live with Gene Steinberg. What's going to happen next? You never know. Now, in 2009, I gave up a Mac Pro. I sold it with a 30-inch display to someone you know. And I'll mention his name later on. He's still using it. Okay. And the point being here is I actually got a faster computer, a faster computer by getting a high-end iMac. And, of course, next time I get a computer, I'm just going to configure the latest iMac and go from there. I don't need what the Mac Pro offers. I'm not doing that kind of work. I'm doing audio work, but video, not that much. So, to me, it doesn't work. And that's it. It's a very specialized high-end workstation where Apple quite possibly will sell a ton of them to that group. A lot of people really will need it. There is a group of people, aside from the people who just want it because it looks cool, um, there is a group of people who do need it, and it's not a lot of people. Um, The Mac Pro has never been a big seller uh, since the first one was in 2006, the first Mac Pro, because I bought one back then. As I said just a minute ago, I would like to see an update to the Mac Mini, which I think is just a splendid computer. It's small and quiet, and it's not expensive. You know, they can update it with these new, what is it, the Haswell processors, maybe get some onboard video RAM instead of the shared video. It comes, I have mine that I bought about a little more than two years ago, I already got it with an SSD back then. So you get an SSD or a Fusion Drive, and the cost is just 
you're you're saying you do what you need with an iMac. I don't even do audio works. I can do what I need with a Mac Mini, which is what I do. The low end Mac Mini is four ninety nine. The high end is six seventy nine, and that's with a one terabyte hard drive. So you want to add a little more to get an SSD or a Fusion drive. Um, you want to get some more RAM because it only comes with four gigs. But you've got a fine little computer there for. Sorry, I thought I was on the UK website. The prices I was saying four ninety nine and six seventy nine. Um, but you've got a nice computer there, well under $1,000. Um, you've got to add a monitor, of course, mouse and keyboard, but it's a fine little computer. I Personally, I don't like the idea of the iMac, the all-in-one computer. I'd rather have my display separate um, so I can always change the display if I want to or you know, just have more flexibility. Now, interesting thing here about the Mac Mini, which, of course, we should point out, the Haswell chip... The new power-efficient chip that Intel offered that Apple added to all the other Macs over the past year. Haswell's biggest benefit is power consumption, which doesn't make much difference on Mac Mini. The second is the integrated graphics are better. That is a difference. But the actual processor horsepower just could be a few percent faster. In saying that, I can't Mm. see why Apple is not going to have a new Mac Mini probably the first part of this year. A very quick, low-key update. You said power consumption doesn't make a difference. It makes a difference in two areas, um, heat and noise. The Mac Mini is already incredibly quiet, but it could be even quieter if it's less power. It doesn't make a difference, if you get my point. No, it's pretty close to being insignificant um, right now. But if it uses less electricity... It's always a good thing. Uh, You know, a lot of people use a Mac Mini as a server. Um, I know a lot of people who use it as a media server. So they'll set it up someplace and they'll stream to their stereo. Um, And this is something that people are generally leaving on all the time. So if you're saving power, that can add up over, you know, over the amount of time that you're leaving it on. Not a lot. What are we talking about? (laughs) You know, not a lot. Not a lot. We understand that. But the real power efficiency is a battery-operated device because then instead of getting seven, eight hours of battery life, you get nine or ten. So that makes a significant difference but not so much for a desktop computer. But the integrated graphics, Intel is getting there with integrated graphics. It used to be pathetic. Now they're getting closer and closer to discrete graphics. And I think the people at AMD and NVIDIA have to be frightened. Well, you know, I've never had a problem with mine. I'm using a 27-inch Apple display, and the graphics has never bothered me on the Mac Mini. So mine's two years old, and I don't know which graphics it has, but it's definitely the integrated graphics of... Let's see. If we look this up, it says, let's see, AMG Radeon. Where are we here? AMG Radeon HD 6630M. Okay, you are not getting Intel integrated graphics then. Okay, see, I didn't even realize it. (laughs) <laughs> so when I bought mine, I bought the when I bought mine, I bought the high end, the, the the fastest model with the best. I guess I took the best graphics available, so it does have a separate graphics card. So that's why I've never had an issue then. And even the mid range Intel integrated graphics, it would be all right for normal purposes. It's when you play games that things would suffer. Which but I now don't do. things are getting better and better. I don't see any graphics card option on the current model. So is it possible that when I bought mine, so this was two years ago, this was mid-2011, that they did offer the possibility to have a discrete graphics card? Well, you got discrete graphics they, with yours, but I'm, I'm looking well, here right now. But it's telling me. Yeah, I'm looking at the list right now, and in terms of graphics, it's not mentioned. 
which means they're using Intel integrated graphics. And there's no option to get discrete graphics. The current one, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I don't see that. Um, So it's very possible that for a short period of time, they were offering a graphics upgrade. Um, I'm looking at my Mac Tracker app, and I'm not really seeing anything about it. Weird. Maybe I have a special Mac Mini that no one else has. You have a one of a kind prototype. Tim Cook's coming to your house right now with his brutes, with Luigi, and they're going to take care of you. I'm looking at it right now, by the way. The top end Mac Mini is a 2.6 gigahertz quad core Intel Core i7. You know, quite a bit less than what you get in an iMac, but for most people, it doesn't make a difference. Yeah, okay, so I'm just looking. The, the graphics card I have was an option, so I bought that because it was better um, at the time, and I totally didn't even realize that I bought it. So, um, But now, yeah, the, so I have a 2.7 gigahertz Intel Core i7. Um, currently, they're selling, mine's a, does that mean it's a dual core? It's a quad core. It says, no, mine, it says Intel Core i7. Does that mean it's a single core or a dual core? Uh, core i7 is usually quad core. So that means mine's the same processor that they're selling now. They're selling the 2.6. But remember also, it's a later generation processor. So okay. it may conceivably be that because it's a later generation, even though the clock speed is less, it gives you more. Because remember, clock speeds right. are everything. That's what they've been telling us for years. I know that. I know that. But I remember buying the Core i7, which was an option. The standard was the i5 at the time. And the i7 had something... Was it burst mode or something that means it can go faster? I don't remember exactly. It's called Turbo Boost. Turbo Boost. There you go. You're good on all the lingo. I'm looking at the catalog right here. Okay. Okay. So what they give you in terms of processor, if you get the cheapest Mac Mini, there is no processor upgrade on it. You get 2.5 gigahertz dual core Intel Core i5. They all have Intel integrated graphics 4000 which is one generation removed from the current generation. That's what you get. But, you know, look, folks, I've got to tell you, what you get with today's Mac Mini, even the one that's not outfitted to to the nines there, it's a lot faster than many people will actually ever need. It's fast enough. Well, that's the thing, and... And when you mention gaming, that's the only place where, uh, unless you do video or audio editing, gaming is the only place where you'll see a bottleneck. There's absolutely nothing else you could do that would be an issue. And we're talking games with high frame rates. We're not talking, you know, Angry Birds and things. No, we're talking about super Angry Birds, games I never heard of because I don't play games. But in that case, that's not the machine to get. But for most exactly. normal tasks, it is. But I have a 2009, late 2009 iMac. If I look at so-called speed ratings from Macworld, and I compare it to what you get now, maybe the current machine is 30 40% faster, which I'll see on intense rendering. But if I just went to a fusion drive or a solid-state drive, I'd kill most of those differences. But, of course, I'll consider that when it comes time for me to get a new computer. You know, we'll raise the funds. There, and we'll see there are, I, I think there are two variables that would make a huge difference. The first is a solid-state drive. Um, it'll increase app launch time and file reads and boot time and stuff like that. And the second is faster RAM. If right. the computer supports faster RAM, that can make a big difference. We're going to get very fast here because we have one segment left with Kirk McElhern. Okay. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. <laughs> We 
are the premier independent talk radio network. The Genesis Communications Network. G-C-N. Attack of the Rockoids has been well received by critics and readers alike. It's a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. To thank you for being a loyal listener, we have a limited time freebie offer for you. Claim your free heirloom tomato seeds, just pay shipping, right now at 123freeseeds.com. These aren't ordinary seeds. These are heirloom, non-genetically modified super seeds that are open pollinated and can be grown, harvested, and replanted endlessly. These survival seeds are actually more valuable than gold in a crisis. Go to 123freeseeds.com and you can get an airtight storage packet of 150 super seeds free while supplies last to say thank you for being a loyal listener. First come, first served. Just cover shipping. Go to 123freeseeds.com now to see if your free heirloom seeds are still available. That's 123freeseeds.com. Great news, pure water lovers. BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com has a special discount offer for all GCN listeners. You can't do better than a Big Berkey for economy. For only 1.7 cents a gallon, a single set of filters can last for 5 to 10 years. There's none better than a Big Berkey for emergency preparedness as a backup water source. And you just can't beat a Big Berkey to remove dangerous chlorine, all types of fluoride, pathogenic bacteria, cysts, parasites, and unhealthy bodies products from municipal water. Berkey water filter systems are even powerful enough to purify stagnant pond water. For the gold standard in water filters, get a Big Berkey at BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com and all GCN listeners get 5% off all ceramic filter systems. For details, call 1-877-99-BERKEY. That's 877-99-BERKEY. Big Berkey water filters for the love of clean water. A little over a year ago, I began to do a lot of research into why, even though I had a pretty good-sized meal, that I was still starving. And my research led me to a well-known fact that most of the soils that we grow our crops on here in the United States and across the industrialized world are almost completely depleted of almost all of the key minerals and trace elements that our bodies need to rebuild themselves, fight off cancer, and be healthy. I then searched out the best vitamin and mineral company out there and discovered Longevity. The Longevity products are designed to give you the real nutrition you need, and once you've got that, you don't have to eat as much to be satisfied. I've lost 37 pounds in two months. 
simply getting the vitamins and minerals I need. Check it out for yourself. It's incredible. Go to InfoWarsTeam.com today and order your first canister of Beyond Tangy Tangerine Complete Multivitamin Mineral Complex Dietary Supplement. That's InfoWarsTeam.com. You're listening to the Tech Night Owl Live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next. So I guess the question would be then, looking at 2014 for our final segment of the show this week, what do you expect from Apple that might be cool? All I hear from people who speculate about Apple say, we're speculating about Apple, it's going to be an iWatch, it may be a TV set, that's it. Is that all there is? I don't think they're going to do the TV set. We've talked about this. It doesn't make sense for Apple. The iWatch, I think it's a head fake. When they were talking about the watches, suggesting that they would come out with a watch to make the other companies come out with a watch. I think Apple wants to see how the market goes, whether it's worth bothering for them. I would see the Apple TV getting a substantial upgrade. This is the set-top box, folks. This is the set-top box, not an Apple TV set. This is the little box. You know, we had the initial version with a hard drive in it that was basically like an iPod. And now we have the version that streams, and we've had, what, two models of that. I would see that getting upgrades to be able to accept apps. And I would see an Apple TV app store not just selling apps for information or games or whatever, but also apps to get access to different networks and cable channels or TV series or or TV bundles or things like that. I would see a controller for the Apple TV so you can play games on it. So you can buy Angry Birds for the Apple TV and play it on the Apple TV. And I would even see Apple making it possible for a developer to make a universal version of an app that runs on the iPhone, the iPad, and the Apple TV. You know what I expect Um, to see? I expect to see support for 4K. And the reason I expect to see support for 4K or Ultra HD is Apple has made a big push. The Mac Pro supports three 4K displays. The 2013 MacBook Pro with Retina display has 4K support. Apple's taking it seriously. You're going to see coming up at the Consumer Electronics Show, more and more of the TV makers will produce more and more almost affordable 4K. So Apple's going to have to offer an Apple TV with 4K support. But I kind of think based on what you said, when Steve Jobs was quoted in the authorized biography by Walter Isaacson about creating this magical interface for TVs, solves all the problems, in part, that was a head fake. It might have been, but I think he said something like, we've figured out TV, and what I think they figured out is basically voice control. And so I would see an Apple TV that uses not so much a Siri to look things up, but a voice control system so you can uh, say, play me The Grateful Dead's American Beauty, or play me the first Harry Potter movie, that kind of thing. Rather than having to navigate through all the menus on the Apple TV, I could see that you'd use, say, your iPhone or your iPod Touch or whatever um, to control the Apple TV through the remote app just using your voice. Now, that would be very interesting. It would save a little time. But I'm more inclined to think that they're going to open it up to apps because it opens up a whole new world of possibilities because we're talking about apps that exist, but we're also talking about apps that could provide TV or movie content. 
Well, they already have apps. They just don't have an app ecosystem. No, I, what I mean is an app store where you can buy apps and you can buy subscriptions to specific apps through an app store. Right now, there are certain apps that companies have negotiated with Apple to get them on the Apple TV. But I would see, for instance, you buy an app to HBO, all their premium programming, or you buy an app for a certain movie studio, maybe to get all their movies in a year or something like that. I think that sort of a la carte purchasing system is going to be what we're going to see in the coming years, for at least for TV, maybe not so much movies. And it seems like the Apple TV is the ideal device to do that. You know, here's the thing that gets confusing with apps. You see, right now, I watch DirecTV or any system you have, Cox Cable, Comcast, whatever you have there in the UK. You have one interface with all my channels. But if each network had its own app with its own channels... How do you integrate everything together? It's like running 20 different apps, each of which has their own programming and their own schedule and everything else. You see, that's where you get confusing. It's not so bad now, but even now, if you pick up an Apple TV and you open it, you've got like 20, 30 apps in there. So you hide the ones you don't want to use, which you can't do on cable TV. You can't get rid of all the channels that you never want to watch. You can't hide the shopping channels. You've got to keep skipping past them. So the difference here would be that the the channels that you watch would be on your main screen. You wouldn't have to navigate the same way. That's the biggest difference for me. I don't have. You see, the other thing is here is a single interface to bring everything in. Like I subscribe to HBO Go, and then I've got Showtime, and maybe USA Network, the NBC networks, like Sci-Fi Channel, they have their own station. And so you have five, six, seven, eight, ten different things here. You want to watch all of them, but should you have to launch ten different apps to do it? Or can you have the one overwhelming monolithic Apple TV app where everything comes in together from one listing, USA Network? Again, it's kind of like the cable TV listing, but it's an integration of all your apps and services. But that's exactly it. So let's assume you've got six different channels that you've subscribed to, and you've got those apps. When you go to see what's on TV, all you're going to see is those six channels. You're not going to see the 175 channels that your cable provider is trying right, to Right, but you the to only watch. way you're going to see them is to separately launch each app. Today's Apple TV. You can't integrate all the apps you have for different TV services. Right, and that's what they'd have to do. They'd have to have a centralized guide app. um, So when you turn it on, you see what's on on the channels you've got, and you're not distracted by the other channels. No, you have the control. Basically, this is the problem, of course, also with cable and satellite TV. And partly, very much in part, it's the networks that are doing it. Because the networks will go to Comcast, DirecTV, and they'll say, okay, this is NBC Universal, owned by Comcast. And now we want to offer you our channels. So you got to take Clue. What's Clue? It used to be called Sleuth. You got to take Sci Fi. You got to take USA. You got to take nine other stations. And the only way we'll offer it to you is to give you all nine stations. Uh, you can't have just one. You have to give your viewers, doesn't matter what tiers you set on your service, but we give you nine stations. We give you 12 stations. You pay us a flat fee. You can't get just one. That's the way it works now. And because of that contract, that's why, for example, DirecTV and all the rest can't offer you anything. The only thing they can do is subdivide those channels so that you may have to get different levels of service to get those channels. Well, that's part of the problem because cable TV wants you to have to stumble on other channels to watch channels you don't know about. The problem is that most people don't want to watch those other channels. They'll know what they want or they'll hear about a show that's on 
say, sci-fi, if they don't watch that channel usually, and they'll go looking for it, you still have to go through 175 channels to find what you want. And it's a pain. Here in the UK, they have the digital terrestrial TV is called Freeview. I've got to go through about 30 channels if I want to scan what's on TV. I can't block out the home shopping channels and the reality TV channels, which I will never, ever watch. Yeah, I think most people want a TV where they can get rid of the stuff they're never going to want to watch, and they can highlight what they are going to watch. I understand your point. I understand what the networks are thinking. They're thinking that if they offer everything, you may just be browsing the stations, looking for stuff, and you accidentally stumble upon exactly. a show yeah. that you never heard of. Because otherwise, those stations would go nowhere. If you didn't have the chance to see them, if you block them, you would never know they exist. And because you would never know they exist, they can't get anywhere in the sun. It's like I mentioned Clue, because my wife likes to watch it. It's got older network procedurals. It'll have, or even House. It's got House. It's got Law and Order, Special Victims Unit. It's got NCIS. Okay, that kind of thing. She just happened to be browsing through the channels, and she ran into it by accident. And that's the point. When I started watching Monk, which was a really funny show with Tony Shalhoub, plays this obsessive, compulsive detective in San Francisco. This was what made USA Network start to release original fare, found it by accident. We're going to have a bigger accident if we don't right now ask Kirk McElhern where we can find more of his stuff. Well, you can stop by my website at McElhern.com. That's M-C-E-L-H-E-A-R-N.com. Or you can find me over at Macworld where I've got, when this show is going to be on, it'll just be about the end of a week's series of articles about using the command line on Mac OS X. Hey, you find us on Twitter. We're known as Tech Night Owl. That's Tech Night Owl on Twitter. And we have another radio show about UFOs and things that go bump in the night. And we got a wacky show for you this week, okay? A guy named Barry Chamish comes on the show. He's a one of a kind at Paracast.com. Kirk McElhern, thanks for joining us on the show this week. Thanks for having me again, Gene. The Tech Night Owl Live is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. We'll be back next week. Same bad time, same bad channel.